Welcome to the Galen Trombley Show. Be sure to subscribe, review, and share the episode. You can follow me on social media at Galen Trombley. I hope you enjoy the show. Greetings. Please hold for a very important message. Light speed sequence initiated. How may I help you? Bonjour. Security breach. The truth shall set you free. <laughs> awesome. It's a miracle. Mission complete. Thank you. Have a nice day. Okay. Um, hello, everybody. Episode 214, Galen Trombley Show, here with Paul Dio, returning guest. You might have the... I'm trying to think because I feel like you have the record currently for the longest distance between repeated guests on the show because you came on like episode... I don't even know if this book goes back. So I, I put everybody's name... Or I say name. Like I, I use this book and it only goes back to episode one. Oh God, way, way long ago, one fifteen. Um, yeah, they were putting the Ten Commandments on a tablet back when you started recording things that way when I was here. Most, most likely. But you, I think I want to feel like you were episode like twenty something or thirty something. Wow. And now we're at two fourteen. So you were the longest returning guest. So that's almost three years ago, Paul. That you were probably on the podcast. But I'm back, and that's what matters. That's, we're here that's, today. And we got, we got a better, we got a new, improved Paul Dio. We had um, and give us a quick recap. Where who was Paul Dio back then? Where's Paul Dio now? And then we'll dive into all the fun stuff. Wow. Okay, that was a doozy of a question, but I guess <laughs> let's go back. We go back three years ago. Things are a little different. Can I, can I also say first? Why I, I also have people when we come on. Uh, this is gonna be a fun podcast because I know Paul pretty well. That this is like we're gonna get some recaps and dive into stuff. It'll be fun. Um, you're the first person that went and did like the mic check before, and it was perfect, and it sounded like you should have been on the air. Have you ever tried doing any kind of radio podcasting or anything like that? I have been told that a voice for radio that we could do someday. So, hello everybody, this is Paul Deal. We're on WPLA Radio, talking today with Galen Trombley. Uh, one of the things we're going discuss coming up is the changes over the last three years and where we're headed in this direction. So, someday. I, you're going to do my voice. You're going to do my intro at some point. When I, I did a new intro, which was like me be, just kind of messing around. I'll get a proper intro of Paul Deal's voice. Paul, Live from away. downtown Plasburg. It's the Galen Trombley show, block, broadcasting live. i got to get my script down. And- well, 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 we'll dive into where we're going to do right. the next next version of Paul. But, Paul, tell, tell us where you were back then, where you are now. I, I, you know, three years ago, I was working in uh, sales for broadcast television, you know, uh, local sales manager, NBC5. Uh, loved that job and a career. It was a lot of fun. I've always been kind of in advertising and then in the media sales. I love being a marketing consultant for people, trying to find out what a business is accomplishing and how we can help them achieve those goals. Uh, you know, this past year has been a little different quickly. Um, you know, I've gone through a divorce, which is all good. My wife, ex-wife and I still get along great and we're very amicable. I've heard it's the best, uh, most amicable divorce of all time. So that's pretty awesome. We think it works out well for both of us. Um, I've also started, you know, new careers, you know, I've left the television advertising sales industry. I now work for a strictly business, uh, magazine. Um, we're doing a few different things there. In addition to selling ads, I'm the business advocacy representative. So involved in writing some articles in a magazine, reaching out with businesses, find other ways that we could help them. How can we tell their stories? Now I was showing you earlier, we're kind of starting our own advertising agency, if you will. So we're helping customers with, we already have a graphic designer and department, um, business planning. We can do that. Yeah. Take the magazine and the brand to the next level. We're we're, yeah. I want, I want to go over this stuff some more. So circular business, business advocacy rep, and then what else? 
Then I started my own company. So since I was eight years old, my family's owned a plumbing and heating business in Anko Heating out of Los Sable Forks. And I've kind of gotten back to my roots in a way too. Started my own electrical, plumbing, HVAC business on called Phase Services. I'm having a lot of fun with that. It, it's been great to just be out working with my hands now. And I feel that that's a change my career needed. I loved what I did before and getting trips to New York City to meet with uh, advertising agencies. But I love this local hands-on approach now and being a contractor. Um, so for, oh, this is pretty cool. You guys did a whole, sorry. Okay. Phase, I, I'm, I'm reading his, his first off, you got a bio here. You're hiking up a mountain. I don't know if you're coming down, going up, or if this is like, what angle is that, Paul? Are you climbing up a mountain? I'm climbing up a mountain. Man, looks like yeah. you're doing like a bear crawl, but there's, it almost looks like a rock climbing thing with no ropes, like one of those free solo. You see the free solo movie? Yeah, I know what you're talking about, right? But that, that ain't. That, me. That's, little, I mean, I don't. It's definitely not you. Yeah. I look at you and I look at Alex Honnold. It's different, different guy. But this, this looks pretty cool, Paul. Right, man. Okay, yeah. so marketing specialist, solution specialist, um, strictly business. I did not realize this. Fun fact: median age is forty three point five. Sixty percent is eighteen to sixty four. That's that's a big. We gotta we almost gotta like lower that like eighteen to you know what I mean like eighteen to thirty, like thirty to fifty or something like that or fifty plus. To get a well, you see what no no like look at that right there, like eighteen to sixty five readership. That's like a big gap. No no they're talking about the demographics of the county there. Oh this isn't like of the read of the magazine itself. This part is the magazine. This part's of the area, Clinton County. Oh gotcha gotcha gotcha. So digital advertising. Oh this is cool. I like looking at statistics like this. So Facegram face Facegram. Facebook and Instagram. The same company. You Re blended it nicely. Readers per issue. So this is per issue? That's wild. Right here. 10,000 readers per issue, yeah. It's based on, you know, the, the amount we serve. We direct mail it to business people across the community. Mm -hmm. Is left on different offices around the table, doctor's office, etc. So that's our guesstimate we came up with about who's between the subscriptions, the people that get it. And... uh and, and digital is what? That just like from email count, all just basically like, um, I mean, digital, I'm guessing obviously social media reach, but this, I'm assuming mailing lists, anything you guys right, are Right, people reading the articles on our website, that one. Yep. Yep. Wow. Okay. The social media is separate on there. And we're, we're trying to, as you can imagine, grow more with those. So let's talk about strictly business quickly. So this, I, I find as I've gotten older, there's like magazines aren't as popular overall. What I will say though is strictly business is one of the like the magazine I look forward to getting. As a kid, it was like, you know, Sports Illustrated, Golf 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 Digest, uh, there's like, like Sporting News. There's a few magazines I look forward to as a kid getting. As I got older, kind of fell out of those kind of magazines. And you get like Time magazine. I read that for a bit like when in college. Um, and as I've gotten older, I've read like zero magazines. Strictly business is the, literally the only magazine I get. Um, partly because it's so localized to where we are, but on the same token. There's good content in every magazine. And I again, a lot of my guests that I get for the podcast, like Strictly Business, is a way for me to to like expand my knowledge of people in the area. And then I read articles or I kind of check it out. I'm like, that person seems interesting. Read a little bit more about them. Invite them on or ask a couple people about the person and then eventually come on. So like, like the guy in the cover, I have no clue who that is. But it's something that I would like, you know, from Michelin, like I would read the article and if it sounds like a cool dude and someone that looks like you'd be interesting to talk to or have interest, 
I would invite them on. So I've used this as like a great resource. I don't have cash to slip you for all that little PR you gave me there, but I thank you for it. Yeah, I promise we're not. This isn't sponsored. <laughs> no, it's not sponsored. But I, I, I actually uh, do yeah. love this magazine. It's me one, as well. It's the one that I read every single month. So, um, and again, you flip through it, but you really start to get a little bit more. Um, I don't know. I, I get. I guess I just. I get a lot of good knowledge from it, but the other thing too is for people that don't understand the region, you know. And again, strictly business is more on the business side. The amount of businesses and little like nooks and crannies in the area that people don't even know about, and people in the business space don't know about. Like if I read some of these articles, I'm like I've never even heard of that company, and you start diving into a little bit more to them, like oh, that's what that warehouse is, or that's what that little shop is on that side street, and you start to understand the people behind it, and it's just there's a lot of cool things going on. So that's. That um, again, I again, I really love this book uh, magazine, but um, yeah, I mean, good lord, Paul, look at this. You're like, is this just because you're the marketing guy? Sure, I mean, the, the media kit was there. I kind of changed. It. That's all new. So that's okay. all the new direction we're thinking of taking the brand. Strictly business, sure. The magazine's very popular. It's a staple in this community, as you know. But what do we do in the day? Our brand tells the story of business people in this area. Our stories. Stories of what people want to hear about. What are the small shops doing? It's more than just a print magazine. You know, people get their news differently these days. It's using social media more. It's helping businesses. You know, that's why I'm a business advocacy representative. When the Northeast Group came to me to work for them, it was how can we do more ways to help people? Is it putting a business plan together? Helping them with social media, search engine optimization. All these things that play into having a business grow and helping this area. Um, well, the other thing when I look at like, because we, we've kind of had this discussion before, like what market, like I like marketing too. And it's like, what marketing is good marketing? I think mm -hmm. marketing at the end of the day is wherever eyeballs are, but it's also your ROI on whatever you're doing. Like if you're doing something and the ROI is great and let's say, let's say the ROI on something, I'm just going to use like easy numbers. I'm doing the math off the top of my head. So this math might be, you'll get the gist. Like if I paid a dollar and I made, you know, a hundred impressions per dollar. Now, if I spent $5 and made, you know, 10,000 impressions, so you go back and forth, like this one's cheaper, but you know, it's, it's one to a hundred versus five to uh, one to 200 or one to 2000 in that example. So then my mindset would go, even though it's more expensive, the ROI per dollar spent is better. Now my mind also goes, if those hundred people are better target market or clients or the people that I want to be in front of or want to associate with, even though it's not as good of an ROI, it's a better, uh, um, what's that called? Um, subject group than the 2000 where maybe the, um, the conversion on that 2000 is slightly more, but they're maybe not as good of clients. And then you can really kind of play that all the way down. Um, so my mindset is like, whatever works like to me, strictly business, like the magazine, this magazine works because of the people that it's getting in front of and obviously mm -hmm. going into like the digital space. There's some magazines that people are doing magazines, just not that popular and not that it's a bad magazine. It might, it's just the interest rate of what are the in, not interest rate, I'm not bank interest rate, but interest, the rate of interest of a person in that, um, you know, whatever that uh, median is. Um, so like to my, my thing is like this magazine, I don't read a lot of magazines. It's hard to like find time to read and skim through. But this is a magazine that I find the value in that even if I can't have time to read it, I will flip through it and make notes of the articles I do want to read and come back to them. And I might not go cover to cover, but I might hit one or two articles. You know, there might be what, seven articles in there. I might hit one or two. And then some months I might hit five, six, seven of them. Sometimes I'll skip it if I'm like, I either know that, you know, that or I'm not interested as much. But 
I find marketing is is wherever the ROI eyeballs are attention wise, and then how does it translate to your actual business? So to me, like anything with marketing makes sense, depending just how you use it and who you're getting in front of. Um, and advertising is one small piece, right? It really, yes. what are you trying to accomplish? Who are you trying to reach? Right. The, Product place, promotion price of four P's, and it might be a little bit outdated, but it really holds true that there's average. The promotion is one piece. So, what are you trying to accomplish? Where's your best opportunity to grow? Your market. You you graduated marketing, right? Yeah, I've got an MBA from uh, Empire State College. So, I, good question for you. So, you have the advertising, you have branding, you have like direct response, you have. Um, trying to think of some other ones that would jump out but billboards you know but but like to me billboard depends what you're doing like direct response is like a call to action but there's also image advertising there's branding advertising there's you know when i look at when i got started the the marketing that we did years ago that my my dad was you know kind of you know really dove into back when it was you know kind of an up and coming thing was like direct response marketing using like technology to lead capture and allowing you to bring that information in. And we still have that. We have it on Zillow and you have it on our websites and some stuff like that. Um, and the idea of, of bringing that information in is that we can, we can capture a name, we can capture a number, email, whatever it might be, contact information, but that, that when it comes to us, it's not necessarily the conversion could be trickier. It's kind of like we call it like they raise their hand, we're interested, I filled out whatever your sheet is. Mm-hmm. I get Paul Deal. I have no clue who Paul Deal is. That conversion is more difficult than the Paul Deal that I know that comes to me and says, hey, Galen, I want you to help me out with X, Y, and Z. And so the two forms of it, I find the branding aspect of it, which is you know, image, social media, the meet and greet, like all that kind of stuff, builds up the networking brand or networking builds up the branding the image which i find things are going more towards personally now this could be my business and other businesses might be still direct response but i find that the image idea of it takes a longer time to build up but once it's like a flywheel once you get that going it, it can have massive returns but you put in a lot of work up front with a longer um uh, let's call it a maturity level till you get to that point where everything's like rolling where direct response, you can get stuff in quicker and it's kind of like that short term, like get me the short term success, but I'm in order to maintain that I'm going to be doing that for, you know, let's, let's just say a timeline. I'm going to see success quicker, but that, that level of effort is going to, be longer, I guess, because you're going to have to keep working at that level to keep there where image and branding and stuff. I find you put a lot of upfront work, not a lot of payoff, but then all of a sudden you get kind of like a hockey stick rate, um, rate of return. And then you don't have to work as hard because you put in more work up front and we're kind of more patient for the long-term success or the long-term uh, benefit or gain. And then, uh, it's kind of like a delayed satisfaction. You delay it. Eventually you hit and it kind of pops. And then you realize like, okay, I made it over the hump and now I don't have to grind as much on the star. And then it's the, it's the flywheel effect where I find direct response marketing because you're getting people that aren't necessarily really warm leads or, or hot leads or whatever. Um, I would say they're kind of cool leads. They're not cold calling, but they're just, you know, if we're going temperature, a little bit warmer than cold calling, but you get those, but that, that takes a lot of effort over a long period of time to maintain that because those people, unless you convert them and really like, keep marketing to them to kind of build that relationship. It's much, 
to me, it's a lot of effort to just keep doing that. You know what I mean? Like that's a sustained effort where, with like some marginal gains where the other one is a lot of effort, not as much payoff, but eventually it trickles or goes, you know, you have that hockey stick kind of loops up really quick and then you have the benefit from it. Do you find that's my experience? Does that, do you follow that? Do you agree? Disagree? I agree. I mean, you, uh, that's the marketing it. funnel, right? So you, the top is just branding and awareness. People to know of you. That takes time, especially if someone's not in the market for it right away. If you're doing that branding and awareness, as you get lower in that funnel, I'm ready to make a purchase of that car now. That direct response can work far better. When I see that ad to click here to take that offer of releasing an F-150 for $199 a month, I'm familiar with the Ford brand. I'm familiar with this Ford dealership I'm considering. Now I'm going to click through to take action. Whereas if the branding wasn't there, I'm maybe less likely to do that click. So I guess the the way we used to do it, we had um, there was branded, branded and non-branded. So there was branded, meaning like this is our company branding out a message. So people knew who it was coming from. Then we would run stuff where we did not brand it to us, but it was still coming to us. So people weren't, they were responding to that not because of, us or our business they were responding because of the offer whatever the value was of that ad and then it would come to us so it kind of like i said it was they weren't the highest quality leads but you could get like you could get a substantial amount of leads like i i there was a thing i paid for years ago um you know probably eight nine years ago at this point and i was spending you know let's say i think it was like 500 i was spending like 500 a month on this service and i was pumped my first Let's say month. I started tracking. I probably still have it somewhere on my uh, on my uh, spreadsheets. But like the first week, I had thirty leads on this site, and then the next week I had like forty, and the next week I had like maybe twenty eight, and then one week I had almost fifty. And this was in a week. So if I'm spending five hundred dollars and I'm getting like let's say one hundred and fifty leads coming in in a month, I mean, I, yeah, about a month, that's a massive amount of leads for five hundred dollars. Now. Well, there was two issues with that. Number one, I had no way to filter those leads, meaning I had to individually contact those people. So if you think about, you know, I'm getting, let's let's ballpark it during the workday, maybe like Monday through Friday, I'm getting somewhere between seven and, um, yeah, I'm probably getting somewhere between seven, you know, six, seven, eight leads a, a day, Monday through Friday. Then all of a sudden, like when, you know, you're trying to call them multiple days, then it just got to the point where it was like, okay, I got a hundred people now to call. So the issue was I wasn't able to filter out that initial list because a lot of the leads were no good. They responded to it, but they weren't great at converting. So when I got that, I got the number, someone could look at that and say, Hey, the ROI, like you spent X amount of money and made this. And that's insane, which I would agree. But when you're converting, conversion is poor and it's taking you a long time to convert those people, that's also not a great, you know, I looked at, eventually I dropped it. Like it was kind of one where at the end of the day, like I, I made a little bit of, you know, I made money off of it. So the, the ROI was there. The problem was just the timing that it took just was not significant. Now, granted, this was seven, eight years ago. Technology wasn't as strong as it is now. I wasn't as attuned to what I was doing back then. Now, if I was to do it again, I would figure out some type of, with the landing page, something to kind of almost like pre-screen the lead. So instead of getting 50, if I could get that down to like 10 to 15, but I knew those 10 to 15 were like, they've gone through a couple hoops and they've kind of, you know, almost like disqualified themselves on their own. 
then I know maybe the 10 that I'm actually dealing with are good and I can scrap the other 40. It just saves me a lot of time because they weren't serious at the end, at the end of the day. Um, and then it comes down to like what's your skill level at being able to convert people, you know, and handle objections and stuff. So, uh, marketing is fascinating to me, but there's so much to it. And, but it's like the evolution of how things are marketing. And now you have like, I mean, what do you find is the biggest change in marketing from when you started or what do you find right now is like something you have your eye on in the marketing world? I guess for me, when I started, you know, thinking in my earliest days, working with Gregory Supply and working with the owners and kind of helping them with their marketing, even then digital was a thing, right? What companies are getting websites, there was certainly social media starts in the the late early 2000s, right? It doesn't make any sense, but you know what I'm saying? 2006 or 2008 really starts to pick up. You've seen that growth, right? Social media, the way that people consume video and what eyeballs are doing. There's so many different ways digitally. You know, television is still a wonderful way to reach people. There's still local news reaches more people really than any other mediums and they're trusted more. But if you look at, you know, social media overall, there's so much more targeting capabilities. So maybe if you're, bro- if you're looking to broadcast a huge net, sure, some traditional things would make sense. You know, with the with targeting though, with the digital products, there's so many more things you can do. Look at certain things like YouTube. I watch a lot of YouTube at night for my television. Yeah, or same. Hulu and the other types of sling TV that are out there. The targeting's unbelievable. You want just households that have an income over $100,000 in Clinton County? Done. That automatically filters out some of those others. The leads are better. Your cost per thousand's higher. What's more who you're trying to reach? Um, so do you find... Like, I've, I've always come with the idea that, you know... If I could be everywhere, I would be everywhere. Sure. Like that's that's the goal. But then you look at companies like, you know, let's take some big name companies. Apple, um, Tesla. Let's take like Tesla. It's, it's the highest, uh, what's the word? It's the uh, most valuable. It was, so if this is wrong, someone fact check me. But it, it was, the last time I checked, was the most valuable car company in the world. Does no advertising. So when you look at something like that, like they put all their money in R&D and things. So they've made like a product so good that they don't really have to advertise, but they get people so much like word of mouth, which in my... That's advertising. Which is, yes. And I would Nothing's say... Nothing's better than it, by the way. Cor- correct. And I, I would say that the holy grail for a company is to get to the point where you can completely slash your marketing budget to next to nothing... Because you just have word of mouth and repeat, and everybody just comes to you because of your product, service, whatever that might be. It takes, it honestly, takes a lot of like trial, error, improvement, R and D to get that product or service up to that level. But there's certain places, like if you have a certain restaurant or you have a certain, you know, service provider. Like we, I know we were kind of, you know, joking when you were doing some work around here and you were mudding. And we both talked about, you know, Bud Wynn being the uh, the master mudder. Like, but I've heard that from many, many, many people. Mm-hmm. So Bud's not going around advertising. And Bud's a great guy. He's not going around advertising about how his mudding is. He just has a bunch of salespeople out there basically repping him. And he's getting, you know, he's probably got more business than he can handle. Um, that to me is like the highest level of achievement in the marketing, for a company in the marketing space. It's tough to do it. Very rarely do companies actually do it. You know, and then you have companies that are very well known. And they pump millions and millions and millions behind advertising. Like you said, cars or, you know, whether it's soda or beer or basically take any company that uh, does uh, Super Bowl advertising. Like major companies that are pumping so much money into advertising. And, but then it's always, I always find it fascinating when you get like Apple, who like 
has done advertising. You see some advertising, but not a whole lot of it. And like Tesla, you don't see any advertising. And I'm sure there's other companies, if you really like looked at it, like I don't think I ever really see advertising for those people or for those companies. Um, what, what are your thoughts on that? Because you think it's just the word of mouth? Because that is, I mean, that's the best best way to market. Will these large companies and why they're spending it? Or no, not why, but like the ones that don't spend, which is like counterintuitive to what most businesses think. So if you're taking a look, Budwin's a good example, right? Mm-hmm. With a, he's someone who's probably not looking to grow. He has enough business coming at him where his word of mouth is the advertising. That's all he needs. He's grown his brand to that point through his reputation and his work. Um, you know, if your business is still looking to grow, and that's why you'll see Google, Amazon, Facebook, et cetera. It's always funny, those major brands that are, Facebook's one of the biggest digital platforms and ways to reach people. They still use television, YouTube, et cetera, to reach viewers to grow more. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I, I guess when it comes down to, like the hard part in our business, when I, so when I started, um, I think I just got an, like something for my Facebook page that I hit my 10 year anniversary of a Facebook page. What you think about like 10 years for a Facebook um, business page, that's that doesn't happen a lot right now because most businesses weren't really advertising on business pages back mm-hmm. in like you know I might have started it was oh, ten years it would have been two thousand um, I think it was March of two thousand twelve was when I started my business page so I hit like my ten year anniversary so I remember at the, that point nobody had a business page like in in at least in my in real estate there was nobody that had a business page and I remember signing up for it I'm like I don't know what the hell I'm doing. And, you know, you kind of plug away and my first posts were awful. Like they were just generic and crappy and like what you shouldn't be doing. And then I grew it and grew it and grew it. And I remember like having like under 100 people like liking the page. And then I remember seeing like if I had five people that liked a post, that was a big deal. Like usually I had like nobody or one. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I like and I haven't really put a lot of effort in the last like couple years on it. But I'm like some like in the 2000s for and, and I look at that for like a, a real estate Local real estate person up in upstate New York, that's a lot of people for those kind of pages. Um, you know, I kind of joke like, uh, you know, if you look at like Becky from High Peaks Brew, she's probably got like 3,000 followers, but, and she's great, love her business and she's a great person, um, but she's also the only coffee, mobile coffee bar in the area. So then people kind of look at like that. It's like everybody likes that because it's the only option. I like, it's like contractors, like, or, you know, realtors. There's like 150 realtors. So like, there's 80,000 people and like, you know, how many of those are kids? So really like what's your, you know, how many people actually own homes or in that market? Then you kind of like spread it out across everything. And it's really averaging, you know, a low amount per agent. If you average everything out. So that's why I always look at like where you're at, um, relative to how saturated your market is. So the, but like back then with the, with the, uh, Facebook, like, it was like the wild, wild west when I started because there was, n- there was no, there was no, nothing there. There was no laws and regulations in the real estate industry. So we kind of joked, like you just said, like a hundred, you could, someone that makes a hundred thousand dollars in Clinton County. I used to be able to run so many things for people back in the day. And that was so targeted to what I want. And then like in our industry, then they started coming up with like, you know, the fair housing and, and, you know, um, What's it? Uh, it's it's basically fair housing, but you know you can't discriminate against people, and unfortunately, you know that's something that basically hit all the social media platforms. So anything that we could target then went out the window, 
in my argument, this is kind of a this is a, a, a quick rant, Paul. Was that like so Facebook and social media? They targeted that and said you can't, you know, base it. You can't run ads based on a on an area or based on an income level or based on a age level or anything like that because it's not, you know, you're discriminating against people. And my argument is if I'm running an ad for whatever the ad is, like if I'm running an ad for first time home buyers and I know that majority of my first time home buyers, let's say they're under the age of 30, but, but Facebook is telling me that someone at, at the age of 65 needs to see that ad. And I'm not, they could be a first time home buyer, totally fine. But I'm also looking at it from the idea of like, where's my, where's my biggest bang for my buck kind of thing. If I'm talking about like a, Empty nesters. Well, nobody under 30 is an empty nester. You know what I mean? Like biologically, you can't have a kid and have them move out before that. You know, so it's like, so my, my target would probably be 40 and to 65, you know, and that's, but we couldn't do it. And my, the thing that I always, you know, I never understood was, but if I was to advertise in, say, the Press Republican, the Press Republican, is that fair that I can, you know, advertise in the Press Republican, but it only goes to certain zip codes, meaning, you know, might be a couple counties, but that's limited. So like someone out maybe in Albany is not going to see my ad in the paper because it's only going to, you know, let's say three counties. No, Facebook wouldn't do that either, right? You would just pick your counties in Facebook. No, you, you the, the best you could do is set a pin. And I don't even know if that's still there. Like if I wanted to run an ad, I used to run the ads on... um. I had a couple really good ones where I really like targeted certain areas. So I would run ads specifically at people in like in Beekman town or specifically on people in Cumberland head or specifically at like different people that I could really tailor down because Facebook allowed you. And I remember it used to go from like 200 million. Okay. Now you're down to a hundred thousand. Okay. Now you're down to 50,000 and you could, you could keep shrinking it to what you wanted for your demographic. So if I wanted this ad to really hit, you know, a group of like say 2000 people, but I wanted to make sure it was in front of just those 2,000 people or multiple times in front of those 2,000 people. I wanted to do that versus spending the same amount and having it go out to you know, 50,000 people because I had to include you know, now a 20-mile radius of what I really was trying to target. Like if I was trying to target a community, it wouldn't let me like target that community anymore. I would say, well, no, if you're going to run it, now you got to run it to the next 30 miles out. So I'm like, why would I want to spend – if you're in Plattsburgh, well, there's half mine is in, uh, you know, say half, 40% to 50% is is now Montreal or Canada and, and Vermont, which I can't sell in. So we always run into those problems. So I never understood how that would translate to, like, whether you run it in the paper or whether you run it in other media or mediums, but they were, you know, they didn't have the restrictions because social media came out and then they started pinning it on social media. So that like I, I had to make adjustments and, and it never it's, it hasn't gotten um, as good as what it was you know six seven eight years ago before they switched it and I and I'm all about the fair housing but I find that there's certain things like fair housing to me is like if someone calls on a lead or calls on a house like I have to treat them fairly but I find if I'm running advertising I I just don't. Like advertising to me has nothing against discriminating against people, you know, especially if I'm not using any discriminatory like lingo, like, you know, you can't have this like, so, uh, you can't have like this, you know, let's say race come or I'm only showing it to, you know, males and not females. Like, 
like you would never run those ads and that I could see. But if I was just like, Hey, I just want to run it, target these zip codes where it's actually where my message is best put that would make, you know, to me, that shouldn't be classified as like discriminating against someone that lives in this zip code, you know, two towns away because it, the, the ad I'm running is, is irrelevant to that zip code. This has nothing really to do with you. This is just a rant on my part. But does, I'm here like, to listen, man. Like, but that, if you but got that, a free beer, a, I'm listening to you. This is great. That, but that's that because this is like the marketing aspect. When you talk about target marketing and really diving in with because this this is what I'm, I'm getting at is that's the one of the flaws that I found in certain marketing is like in my business because there's more regulations. You going in like as a contractor and running those ads probably have free reign to do whatever you want because it's not as regulated. Like I have friends that are in finance and they're so regulated. They have to have everything they post approved before they can even post it. So it's, it's sometimes it gets, it's could be more the industry, but like, that's one of the things in my industry that's very difficult is that they keep kind of adding more rules and regulations, which then makes that that's why there's certain things. I stopped running a lot of Facebook ads and started to stop running those things because of my, I wasn't able to really target and hit what I wanted to hit. And I had to kind of, think outside the box and work around that, um, which I, I was able to do, but that was a massive, like I say advantage. It was at the time because nobody was doing it. And I was probably the only person or only one of maybe like a handful that actually was doing it regularly or successfully. So then you kind of took that away and I'm like, okay, so now I'm the same as everybody else running ads that really aren't that great. They don't hit. Yes, and I think that's a bigger problem in the extreme growth of targeting capabilities. You look at the healthcare industry; it's a similar thing that you know they know. But the things you're searching of everything on that cell phone, everything you're doing, the hospitals you're going to, mm-hmm. they track all that. So, oh, I know that Paul Dio searched for X Y Z health thing. He went to these doctors. He probably most likely has X disease or X uh, situation he's got to deal with. They're then going to target me with extremely targeted ads that are like, oh my god. You know, I was pulling up my phone. This is exactly what I this I have. You get into privacy concerns at that point that it's so. Well, it's like the so. What do you think about the ad? Like, if you and I right now, and we'll see. Maybe before we're gone, I start talking. I don't know if these ads exist, but let's uh, let's okay. Perfect example, Yeti. I got a Yeti sitting here. I haven't looked to buy a Yeti. I haven't done anything. I don't think I've ever even been on the web the Yeti website to look at getting a Yeti. Chances are, like my phone today if i go on like say let's say instagram later today i will have a yeti ad that pops up and it's not as bad like if i was if i was to go to yeti and search on yeti and like look at buying a product on yeti then i could see myself being retargeted like almost like within minutes on another platform because it's all synced up based on your you know your email or whatever you're logging in which is fine. I understand that totally, the retargeting. Um, but the the aspect of just speaking and never never going on the website, never looking it up, just talking about it, and then all of a sudden, it's on your phone. So it's kind of the one like, which obviously has to do with your phone, like what information is going into your phone, even though you're not actively putting that in. And I think that's where people look at the privacy aspect of like, we're having a conversation and we're not actually like, we don't have our phones out, computer out, looking this stuff up. But if I start getting ads for Yeti based on like my phone or whatever picking up what I'm saying and I get retargeted that, like that's all that's that's a little sketchy because it's not the act that I'm getting an ad for Yeti, I could care less. It's just the act of, okay, 
how was that being performed? Who's listening in? And that's where you start getting the 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 people that freak out about that. I don't think if you asked Apple, Google, et cetera, they're going to say they don't do that. They're sure the phone's always listening, but that's only for the the commands that you're going to give it through. Hey Siri, hear Google. Yep. Is it happening? I, I I've seen instances where I'm myself. Well, man, I just said that out loud. Now I'm seeing an ad. I don't know that that really is a thing. It's just that. Well, it's also like remember back in the day, like two things you like would never give out back in the day was your social social security number and your credit card number. Like, and people still to this day like don't wouldn't give that out to you. Now, granted, like most people just don't go give the social security number out to everybody. But how many places now are like you mean the last four digits of your social security number as a way to you know? And that's common, I think now. But it's also common. It's like you've people have gone from I don't want to put a, uh, my credit card into my computer to purchase something online to me now I'm like I don't even want to like I just want to have it face ID so when I go on it just automatically pays for me so I don't have to pull my credit card out like we've right. gotten to the point huh yeah, right yeah like we've gotten to the point like I'm not giving anybody my credit card to the point where now I'm like I, I'm going to give you everything because I just don't want to pull out my credit card and punch in the numbers like I'll let you save it I'll have to give you access to it and that's why I always find like scammers and things like that we have so much like I have so much online just through normal consumption, being a human, you know, ordering stuff online or just filling out, you know, whatever registration things online that everything can be stolen because it's already on there. So like, you know, the people that, you know, refuse to give that out and think like there's so much, all your stuff is out there so much already that if someone truly wanted to get your information, they would. And I think this could go all the way to the president of the United States or whoever, like, you probably can get that person's information if you were handy enough with hacking to get that stuff. You see it all the time. I mean, you see like companies get hacked. You see servers get hacked. You see, you know, and then it kind of comes out to like the security aspect of everything. But I don't know. I, I, I just, I'm always under the, you know, idea that like they're just, they're going to get it if they want to get it. So I'm not paranoid on that. I guess you're right. It's it's exactly and the like credit card thing. I feel like I've been hacked before, and they you know Discover card just refunds it back. I'm like, dude, if that's the only risk, I'll take that with the convenience of just. But, but isn't that it funny how like that that used to not be the case, and now it is the case. Like now you wouldn't even think about it. Like things that you would think. Like we were talking the other day. There was um, I was talking with Jen. We were doing some painting, and I was like, I was watching a movie the other day, and a phone ring, like a landline phone, and I turned to my wife. I was like. Like that almost sounds foreign now to hear a landline phone ring because you just people don't have it. And I remember the first time, um, it was actually one of my cousins said something along the lines of, "Oh, I got rid. I don't have a landline. I just have my cell phone." And I mean, this was maybe ten, fifth, not a ten, probably fifteen years ago. And in my head, I was like, "That's crazy." Maybe even twenty. I was like, "That's crazy. You just have a cell phone. Like you don't have a landline." But if you really thought logically back then, it said, "Why would you have one that you could carry with you?" And then why would you need one just sitting on a wall? You know, like now we look at them like that sounds so dumb that they, that was the case. But back then we're like, it's like taboo to like carry your phone around. That your phone has to be on your on your the actual wall of your house, which you know puts my mind in drive of like what else doesn't need to actually be there or doesn't need to actually happen. But we we believe it should because of like our preconceived notions or how we've grown up or or a certain way like that has to happen. It's like in our business. Is there a way that is there a practice that we've always done in our business? But it's like, wait, are are we doing that? Is it are we doing that because we have to? Meaning, is it like a legal thing we need to do, 
Or are we just doing it because it's just been set as a precedent for years and just nobody's ever changed it and it's just become common, but it doesn't make any sense to do it. So why don't we just change it and make everything a little bit more streamlined? And I think a, I try to think of that stuff. I mean, it's tough because you're like kind of think, really have to think outside the box. But I find a lot of that stuff opens the door to more efficiencies, like more, you know, just just simple things that you're like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Like, why would we keep doing it that way when we can change it and just make it more simple? And a lot of this is time saving, you know, like effort or um, I don't know. You could think of anything like that in your or even since opening, you know, the new business. Have you like you and Cody have thought of anything that jumps out that you just said, well, this is way easier than what we were doing a month ago that might like. And this might not even be like, you know, physically doing work, but even like how you bill or how you, you know, uh, like I said, quote people or how you just, you know, buy material. Like, is there things like, well, why would, why did we do that? Why don't we change it? I guess, you know, a month ago is a little bit short time, but if you think about how starting a business a few years ago, I would have definitely wanted my phone number on my shirts and my van. Mm -hmm. I don't have that. Even when I went to get stuff done, they're like, you don't want your phone number? Like, no, I don't. No one's going to drive by that van and see 518-569-1842 and remember that. But they might catch face services. And even if they don't see it's faceservices.com, I have the Facebook logo and Instagram and Pinterest logo on it. Just so someone says, I'm going to look on Facebook. You know what I think? And I agree. And I, do you, what's your, does your business card have all your stuff on it? Yes. Mm -hmm. the, the, so one, one, I will argue, there was a person that came the other day and they dropped off business cards. And it's the first time I ever saw it, and I think this is a problem, was that the card had the company and had like the the phone number and the uh, website and all that. It didn't actually have the person's name, huh? which was different, and I've never seen that before. And it kind of got me thinking because my mind instantly goes into, that's weird. Was it just an oversight or was it purposely left off? And then I remember – and it kind of – in my head, I'm like, if you're doing a business card, you typically want your name. And the problem was I got done. I talked to this person and, you know, for maybe five minutes, couldn't remember their name. Like, nice person, had the company, no clue what that person's name was. And it wasn't until I checked my email and I had an email from this person, which had their name on it. But I said, if he just gave me the business card, I never would have known who this person, like I would have found, I would have had to like go search the company and search the contact and see if there was an about section about the person. But to me, that hurts because it's as simple as knowing who the heck the person was. But I will say having all the extra stuff on it, I don't think is needed. One of the leverage points or the cool things that I found, like whether it's card or van or just something, I think QR codes are still really brilliant in what they can do. In the sense that you can scan it and it just brings up everything you need to know, meaning you can tell more about a QR code than listing it plastered all over your van. Like imagine the back of your van just had a massive QR code and you had some kind of a call to action. So someone parked behind you on the road, like you're not supposed to drive with your phone. Everybody does. You pull your phone out and you, at the stoplight and you hit you know, the QR code and that brings up to your social platform or brings up to your, your videos of you or brings up to something about you guys. And I think that's a better way of marketing than just say like go to this website. Cause it, but it, 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 same thing. If you give someone a card and it's got a QR code that then trans, you know, transitions them to your website or a landing page to sign up for something, sign up for your newsletter, sign up for 
a free gift, sign up for whatever that might be, some item of value, that's a way to call capture that person. Sure. But it's also a way for you to expand and say a lot about you by not putting a lot out. I would agree with that, but I would say that's kind of in the moment. So that, that QR code's great. It's on the back of a business card or like restaurant menus, right? Yep. If I'm though trying to brand my people to remember me, I, maybe they're not able to do that. Or they're not at that moment in the business. They see phase services, keep seeing that obnoxiously large Facebook, Pinterest, Instagram logo. I just feel I'm putting that thought in their head. So when oh, they're ready. 100%. No, 100%. Like your van's got to have it. But I'm saying as like an extra step, because you talked about like, okay, I'm not putting my number on. They're not putting everything else. But if you put a QR code with something on the back, I think that's the way to like pop it up and I'd rather have that than a phone number because people are going to use a QR card. No one's going to write that phone number down. Hundred percent, and even a website like you won't remember the website. Sure, you won't. You know, and it could it could be something simple like ours is cavanaughrealty.com. Like it's pretty. Like if someone had to look up Kavanaugh Realty, like I don't know cavanaughrealty.com. Let me check it because it's simple. Um, a couple maybe was it last year? Maybe I think it was last year. I was sitting down watching the Super Bowl, and. Oh, yeah, the QR code ad. Yes, and I remember sitting there, and the QR code goes up for 30 seconds. Mm -hmm. And it cost them probably $3 million to run that ad. And I remember sitting there watching it, and G my wife, Gina, she was sitting there, and I was like, that might be the greatest Super Bowl commercial I've ever seen. And she goes, what are you mm -hmm. talking about? This is like so stupid. I said, watch. The amount of people that, because it doesn't give you any reason. You have no clue what it is and what it was to do. It taps into our curiosity. What the hell does that QR code go to? Am I missing? Is, is it a free giveaway? Is it something cool? Is it just like a Pepsi commercial? Like, what is this whole thing about? And then I ended up reading, I think the next day, whatever the company was, and I totally forgot what it was. Um, the server went down because so many people, I mean, you're in front of, let's say 120 million people watching this and a hundred million of them have cell phones in their hand as they're watching it. That's a great way. To, and now, I, again, I have no clue what the call to action was or what that brought them to. I don't remember, yeah. But at the end of the day, the server went down because so many people looked at it. And in my mind, I'm like, that is perfect because people are already there. You're already tapping in, but you give no no reason to you know, make someone look away. And the other thing, too, was like think about if you're just hanging out and there's noise and there's noise and all of a sudden the screen goes quiet. What is What do people do? Because there's no sound. It was just – it was blank. It was like quiet. People like look and like who paused the TV? Wait, what the heck's going on? Did the TV fall? Like what? what's going on? It brings people's attention just by turning the noise off because then people think, did someone pause the TV? Did someone turn the channel? Did the TV shut off? Like and you just look up and you see this QR code staring you in the face for 30 seconds, which is people like, this is stupid. And it's like, hmm, what the heck is that? Hey, hey, give me my, let me go get my phone. And then you go, like you have time to do all that. I thought it was brilliant. I thought that was the probably the best Super Bowl commercial from effectiveness besides just like, the memorable like one-liner joke ones yeah and that's right you got to stand out if you're doing the super bowl that's the way to do that you're, i'm not gonna say it's not branding but you're better off with something that's gonna just pop real quick and get someone to take action your pepsi cola you know frito lays that kind of thing boom that super bowl that's great you see that and like hell yeah i want to get some fritos right now that sounds great you only gonna see it one time you already know what fritos is yeah i think I just think this it's and it's so simple. It's almost like someone mm -hmm. just like really outside the box is like, let's just like not think too hard about this. And then it's like that's actually brilliant because most people I think would go think too hard on that. Like we had to one up the other people. We got to make this like spectacular, this blockbuster movie. And then some jabroni was just like, I'm just throw a QR code up there and put no sound and let's see what happens. I don't know. I think it was, no, it was brilliant. I agree. That's I think that's it's fascinating. Right? There's no noise. I mean, what the hell's going on exactly? 
I, I, I looked at the QR code. I don't remember what it was. I wasn't in the market for it. But it, I, like, I got to see what this is. I'm intrigued. I, I almost look here. I, I'm going to look this up because I, I, it's actually bothering me, the QR code. Because there was one the year prior or two years prior. It was a hockey one. Do you remember that one? And it was like, I, th- I want to say it was like Cindy Crosby. It could be something totally different. And they were playing whatever it was, like, like almost like pick up hockey, like on a pond or something like that. And the, it all of a sudden it just like shut off. And it was like, I feel like they were playing and it showed them like both scoring. And all of a sudden it was like showing, kind of flashing the score back and forth. And it was like, you know, a neck and neck game. And all of a sudden it just like went black. And then like a QR code went up and said, look, find, um, like visit to find out who won or something like that. And that one blew up. And I, I feel like the person that, um, I feel like the person that did the one the following year just like one up that idea. Um, so let me go QR code Super Bowl commercial 20. It was oh, trying not to swear, Paul. Trying to be better. QR code. I'm trying, buddy. You know that. I, I know. Just I'd not. I almost. You know, this is a. I'm not kidding. It's not PG. Screw that. Coinbase bouncing QR code Super Bowl ad was so popular it crashed the app. Coinbase. That was it. Let me see. In case you missed it, now we have attention. We'd like to announce that we're giving away fifteen dollars in BTC to anyone who joins Coinbase by two fifteen. Oh, and it caused you. Oh, that's brilliant. We're giving you something to sign up. And how many people? How much did that blow up there? The full sixty second ad almost entirely consists of a colorful bouncing QR code. Okay. Coinbase, so it was some type of Bitcoin. That is brilliant. Yeah, absolutely. That's wild. So, Paul Dio, give, give us a give, so phase uh, phase services. Um, I've been using you guys now for I feel like eighteen months, but it hasn't been that long. How how long? Close to two months now. Yeah, we, we in, in and out, mm-hmm. in and out. Yep. So, um, what's your what's your opinion on? The space so far, this space, the current space, and then we'll talk about, I guess, your business. Because I made you do a bunch of quarter round for me, so I know that's you guys aren't quarter round guys, but you did. It. No, I said we're not finished, people. Hey, man, I give it a shot. That's you know, I'll swing a honest. bat. You guys are honest. Like, we're hey, honest, it's not our exactly. Thing. Me, it's not our thing. Yep, I ain't gonna post pictures of this thing on my Instagram account right at this point. Uh, some of it was good. Some of it was good. Oh yeah, I know what I'm yeah, talking about. Yeah, I, I should say I'm. I would say majority of what you've done is very good. And like, there's a couple minor things that the only reason we mention it is honestly the bus chose balls. I don't think it's bad at all. It's fine. Well, thank you. Yeah. And those are things I said, I mean, I'll give it a shot, dude. Like the drywall, the drywall's all right, man. That's a solid B plus. Exactly. But I also look at it. I'm like, this isn't my house. Like, I'm, you know, this is just like, it's a business. It's, it's like, we've been doing work here and we like, we were painting the ceiling in that room. This is what we we shut. It was it was like high glossy paint. I sanded it all down, and I put in like a flat ceiling paint. And we got to the point where like, did we miss something? We had to shut the lights off, put up um, like a work light up on it to shine it to get like different color, like to see the different um, tones up there. And then like Jen was pointing it up, and I was going up and touching it up almost blindly. And then you pop the ceiling light on, and all the LED, whatever, the, the overhead lights come out and blind you. Like, nobody would ever notice that. So most of it, like, when you're doing the te- this, like, tedious work, you notice every little little thing that's 
you know, not perfect, but nobody will ever notice. Correct. Like I could sit here and like pick out in this room and I would see the average person would come in this room and be like, oh, it looks great. And I'd be like, oh yeah, good thing to see like that and that. But like, I'd have to even like look for the problem. Um, but now that you've, I feel like you've lived here for like six weeks. What's, what's your general consensus, Paul? And like doing some stuff here, but just like how the new business, how you guys like doing, you know, what you're doing. Cause it's, it's new. It's a new thing. Mm-hmm. So what's, what's the general, uh, feeling of, you know, phase services at this point, still fairly in, in the infancy, infancy stage. That's right. We're four months into it. Uh, you know, like I said, I've been thinking about it for a while. It worked out kind of great that I'm in the middle of careers. I'm looking for a career change, something different. Um, I've always thought about going back to my roots. My friend, uh, Cody Lobdell, he was also in the middle of career change, looking for something else. We said, why don't we do If there's ever a chance to do it, it's now. Mm-hmm. Northeast Group, as you know, came to me. Like, hey, you want to do a remote thing selling strictly business? We know you have all the contacts and experience. I was like, man, that's kind of perfect. And I have the family heating business, so I can lean back on my dad and others if I need a hand or help with a question. And then now's the time to try this. And we saw that was a niche. You look at the way that things are getting in some ways more commercialized. I, I hate how much I spend on Amazon mm-hmm. you know, versus locally. But it's like you said, I know that my credit cards and file, it's easy. Even Target, I'd rather go there because at least I'm employing local people, even mm-hmm. though it's still a major corporation. Yeah. But with phase us on services, that doesn't seem to be going anywhere. That's where there is a need. Everybody I've talked to is they can't keep up with the demand. As time goes on, you know, the mechanical side of electrical plumbing, HVAC is getting more and more complicated. I was talking to Riley Ford about the car business. I don't even change my own oil. You know, there's that car is so complicated these days. I would never work on something like that on my own. Same thing here. I feel like this is a niche that people always need this service and it's become bigger and bigger. And people are so thankful that it's, I, I can't be more thankful enough for the people that have come to me, the people I know like you to give us a chance. Well, I also think, and I, I've been saying this for years and I think this is, I don't have the knowledge base. I'm trying, I'm trying to learn. And I, I would say, you know, we've been here for almost eight weeks now. The amount of time that I've spent here is quite high, but I've noticed my skills have gotten better from mm-hmm. when I was eight. And, and I'm not like I'm not redoing the heating and plumbing and stuff, but just simple, simple little things, some finishing work, some just like technique stuff that I've learned. And like I was even talking to you, I got to hang something up and need a masonry bit. Like, okay, I know those exist. I had to look into it. And this, like, someone that does this all the time is like, yeah, like that's so simple. But if you don't have that knowledge and you've never done it before, it's new. So now I'm like, okay, great. I've learned that today. I know what that is. I know what – and again, that is a small small thing on the construction scale. But but I would say majority of people don't have that knowledge. And I didn't – and that's a small thing. I didn't have that knowledge until you know, in the last day or two. You know, So the problem is the people that did that would have that knowledge, a lot of those people are – retiring or unfortunately passing away because of age like our our parents and grandparents and great-grandparents generations could just do everything they had to they understood how to do everything because they were forced to do it and they and what whatever it might be but a lot of those you know when we talked about bud win like you know bud's on the back nine of his career you know what i mean he's not like starting over but he's fantastic so if he leaves who's filling in that gap and who has that knowledge base or someone like with the electric and you have these guys that are retiring and you have, you know, things are getting more complicated or, or, uh, you know, there's more people. There's like all these things bowed to the point where the trades to me are going to have a, and I, they already are. It's going to have this resurgence because not mm-hmm. many people get into them 
that that versus the demand. And I also feel like there was a time. I mean, I've been out of high school like 15 years or so. Like I would say 15, 20 years ago, the kids that went to CB Tech, everybody just thought, well, they're just like, they just don't want to do the hard classes. They don't want to do the hard learning. They mm-hmm. want to like, and there was a stigma around that as like these kids can't hack, you know, the physics and the chemistry and the advanced calculus and all this crap. But then you realize like, oh, those guys can build their own house. Like those guys can fix their own car. Those guys can weld and, and you know, and build or do electric or do all these things that are way more important than figuring out how to get to, uh, you know, the Pythagorean theorem and all that crap. Like, and I find that that has transitioned. Now you're seeing like a generation removed from even 15, 20 years ago that have retired. Now you're looking at it like, I can't find anybody. I can't get someone to come do any, any work. Why is the price so, so high? It's like, well, it's one is supply and demand. And also it's essential as can be, I mean, we went through COVID like, like anybody, anybody who's lost heat in the middle of January in upstate New York knows the essentialness of, you know, someone on call that can do their HVAC or can do your plumbing. Like, I just think that anybody that goes into that business and I'll dive into something afterwards, but do you find that, is that true? Like yes. just people phasing out of like, mm-hmm. face, shout out the phase, but people are actually phasing Da-da-da-da. out. People are actually phasing out and then businesses like FaZe and others, you know, if people step up, I think we can have a very lucrative career because there's going to be a big, big gap or a big uh, need for that very soon. Oh, absolutely. That That is very true. And like that experience aspect of it, that it's everything getting more complicated. Like you said, once you try something, you're getting better and better at it. And I've learned that myself. You can quarter round, you know, right? mm-hmm. I was like, oh man, you want me doing quarter round, dude? I suck at that. I've gotten better just doing a little bit here, right? I've done yeah. another job with this. Like, all right. Yeah. That people learn best, I feel like, by doing. You know, yeah, you oh, can 100%. read a book or be taught something. And that's, a, that's There's a place for that. Once you try it, they're going to learn so much better. I've even heard that if you teach, if you teach others, now I'm really going to study and be prepared. And that's the best way to learn. But that's for another day. Well, so, so I guess you guys have been doing it for four months. In that four-month span... Have you been pretty much lined up to do something every day? It's getting to that point or now. Almost it wasn't, every day. you know, obviously at first, first you're unknown, but yeah, after a few months, like, oh man, we got stuff. We're we're booking out a couple of weeks almost now. So, and, and the, the reason, or the thing I'm getting at is like, take take four. I'm coming from my industry, but a lot of different industries. Like, if you're just starting up a business, like typically four months into a business. It's very hard to get like a steady stream of clients or, or income or whatever. Someone like you guys going in and having the knowledge base and doing some like social media marketing, which a lot of pl- things don't do, to me is you start to increase, you know, your or, uh, the word of mouth or, or the, you know, the brand image of you guys. But in four weeks or four months, you're getting to the point where it's like, okay, we're starting to get that steady stream of people. Which, you know, for contractors, we talked about like advertising, eventually you get to the point where like we don't really have to spend money on marketing because we just ha- – we're booked out six months. You know what I mean? So you wouldn't really have to market to book it out. I mean the only thing that you would do at that point is allow you to raise your prices based on demand. Well, that's – you know, in the in advertising world, we've talked about that. There's a, a kitchen and bath company out towards Boston. Our, you know, Hearst used to work with and some, maybe some others. And this company would get do a kitchen sale. Hey, this L-shaped kitchen is, let's say, is $4,000 or $5,000 and tell what it is. Mm-hmm. If they got bombarded and couldn't keep up with the business, 
They just raised the price of higher-end cabinets. Here's a more higher-end kitchen. Now it's a $12,000 kitchen. You're going to limit the number of people coming in, but now those that come in are really hot prospects that can afford the more expensive kitchen. And they're still going to keep You're going to still keep you busy. And you're still busy. Yep, and the branding's still there. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yep, that's yeah. it. Well, and I think that's always the, the, the idea is that if you can increase... It's like anything else. Like I, I always go back to the art world because when you look at art itself... I think there was some something that sold a couple a couple years ago. It was a metallic bunny. And I know this sounds crazy. Let me, let me I'm just, listening, man. You got me intrigued. This no, is this is different. I, 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 I had you at metallic bunny. Okay, that's it. So, Speak my interest. So metallic bunny um, art. I don't know. It's got to come up. There's no way this doesn't come up. So this, yes, perfect. NPR.org. So Jeff Koons, Rabbit, fetches $91 million auction record for work by a living artist. That's it. Okay. So I would say, Paul, you're probably looking at this and not really blown away by this piece of art. So for people that obviously you're listening, type in Rabbit by Jeff Koons. You'll see it. It's a metallic, shiny bunny. And I would say loose bunny in the sense that almost looks like balloons almost looks like like you know people have like the number balloons like you know 21st birthday and you know they got they got the dorm rooms pictures that kind of stuff this one it looks like a bunny holding a carrot with two ears no facial expression arguably something that seems very easy to duplicate sold for 91 million dollars at an auction so and it's three feet tall. So this is not even like a you know a twenty foot tall structure. Man, that's a rabbit. That ain't a bunny. That's a rabbit. That's a rabbit. I mean these things. This is bunnies. <laughs> when you're bunnies a rabbit, are, you didn't age gracefully. Bunnies under twelve. Bunnies are cute. Right? Rabbits. You're an old. You're an old bunny. So, so okay. So, and this isn't even Roger Rabbit. This is just rabbit. This is what's called rabbit. So this whole thing sells for ninety one million dollars. It's three feet tall. And again, I like it's funny because like this desk is probably three feet tall. So this stupid thing is like this tall is ninety one million dollars. But my my idea behind this is if that's 91 million dollars what makes it 91 million dollars i don't know man because i've heard of rabbits that are like 40 bucks to do far more for you than that thing does. exactly I, you know what i'm saying if you want more rabbits too they'll like this rabbit's <laughs> not producing rabbits so but the the whole idea is like behind it is the 91 million dollars is only there because somebody had a demand for it and more than one person had the demand for this rabbit i mean i work in a commodities market real estate's commodity no there's no there's no price tag to a home like if you're selling to me or you're selling to five other people, we're all going to have a different kind of agreed upon price. Or maybe you just don't sell because your number's too high and someone doesn't want to match it. Obviously, someone was willing to pay $91 million for this bunny rabbit. So why, or not even bunny rabbit, rabbit. So what, like again, what would cause it? It's it's purely based on whoever this Jeff Koons guy is, which if you know who he is, I apologize. I don't know who he is. He got very rich selling this rabbit. But... If someone else, if Paul Deal came and replicated this to the exact dimensions, and they said that's by Jeff, and this one's by Paul, most likely, you know, people would, for some reason, still pay more for that because it's Jeff. Same thing, you got a Yeti. If you get a Polar, it's like 60% of the price, probably does the exact same thing, but people buy Yeti because of the name. People buy Nike shoes, and maybe the ones... That's not as high known as a brand fetches a little lesser amount. 
I, I hear you, man. I know you're married, but if you and I went to a bar and both told the same joke, I'm going to get more results from people than you. That's just the Absolutely. way it goes because it's me. Absolutely. When you got a face, when you got a face for TV <laughs> face and radio, right? Exactly. I got a face yeah, for yeah. radio, man. So this is, but yeah. So that's it. That's it. I, and I, I just think that when you look at, you take something from the art world, and that's why it's so hard for people that are artists to do, like when people are kind mm-hmm. of like the struggling artists, it's because you. You're making art, but you have to have a re- like people have to find a reason to like the art. And most same of- with bands or music. Well, they're artists yeah, too, but same. it's like right, exactly. But it's like, but at the end of the day, it might not even be the the uh, like music's a little different because you kind of, I guess not. I don't know because art you got to like like looking at it. But I feel like music you can hear it and get more enjoyment out of it. Where because we both can hear it. Like if I like I got this. I mean, this didn't cost anyone million dollars, but we're looking at this picture. I might like it because I like that show and I like the I, I like the scene and I like whatever. You might say, I, fuck, I hate that show. I'm not going to get it. And then, you know, maybe I like the frame. Maybe I buy it because there's some nostalgic piece to it that my – like my mom liked it when she was a kid. I don't know. But that type, you know, brings people to the, the demand for that product. So I find that if you're like an artist, you have to somehow get people to like you for some reason – that would then want to pay for something that you produced. Meaning like like you going out and putting in say you went in and you put in a new furnace and you did a really crappy job. Someone's not going to you know or someone the next person came in and put the same furnace in but for whatever reason just did it a little bit better. I don't know. A little cleaner, maybe Better handwriting on the on the tags, or just like oh, that's a cl- given, yeah. Cleaner lines, something like that. But they might end up taking that over over you. But maybe you you're best friends with that person. Like, God, Paul's not that great, but it's Paul. We love Paul, and you get the business anyways because by that relationship. So there's different ways to get the demand, but it's like it's it's always funny how like pricing works. But if you can build up the demand for your product service. And you get that demand, like you said, the cabin cabinet tree or a kitchen company, then you start charging two X what you were charging because you know someone will pay it and enough people will pay it to keep you afloat or keep your margins where they need to be or they increase your margins, but you wouldn't drop off in customers. Correct. And I think there's a trust factor too. If I was to sell a home tomorrow, as I know you probably better than any realtor, I'm going to go through you. I'm going to trust that whatever your margins is, is going to be competitive. And you're going to be fair to me. I'm not going to look at that. I'm not going to cost check. Mm-hmm. And I'd like to believe that's the same with me. If you know me, Paul's going to charge a fair margin. He may not be the cheapest, but I know him. I trust him. He's not going to be the best, not going to be the nicest, but we like him. Yeah, it's like my finished carpentry. I'm going to be called Cutting Corners Finished Carpentry, right? That's, that's, uh, I still think you should do that. And then, um, like Little Caesars $5 pizza. Is it good? It's hot and it's ready. It's it, five bucks. I mean, come on. That, that's, <laughs> I was going to say, and, well, you know what's funny? I do love Little Caesars pizza. I'm not knocking on you guys. I do love Little Caesars pizza, but it's funny. They don't actually put good. They just say it's hot and ready. That's all you need, baby. Right. That's so, their niche. Exactly. It's, it's like we want speed. We want convenience. They're not saying we're the freshest ingredients. Tomatoes growing right out back here. And you know, they're not saying that. Yeah, we're not saying this is straight from. That's Italy. not their game, exactly. No, it's like hot and ready. Like you're, it's hot and it's ready, baby. It's you're, five bucks. you're hungry. It's five bucks. Like <laughs> right. just show up, give me, exactly, give me a green man. back, and see ya. Yeah, that that that's I no, I agree. Um, <laughs> what is your favorite pizza place locally? What's Giuseppe, your? F- I say Giuseppe's. I do love Giuseppe's, Actually, but I'm not gonna say the pizza place. What's your favorite pizza locally? P- I like to. I really love a New York style, thin crust, right with a. Can you give me a company though, like? 
a company, restaurant company. Can you give me a restaurant local? A non a local one? Or I mean, just give me like anything. If it could be Little Caesars, I just something. I, I love New York pizza, man. So I've heard that from a lot of people. I've had it once, I think, before. You know what my favorite pizza is, and we had it a few months ago. I've gone to this place before. I have never ordered pizza from this place. We got it on a whim. Like, ah, let's just get pizza from there and try it. It, And this, by far now, is my favorite pizza in Plattsburgh. The Thin Crust Pizza at Mickey's. Oh, you know, I didn't think of Mickey's right. That's on my list now. When I think about Mickey's, like, Mickey's is great. Right, it is. But Mickey's, I always find, is like an underground gem because it's kind of like, it's in its own little Mm -hmm. niche, like, in the area. And you typically want, like, people go to the bar and stuff and people go to the restaurant. But I find if you're going to a restaurant, not a lot of people just order pizza when they go to a restaurant. You might order it more on the bar side. But I've been to Mickey's plenty of times. I never ordered the pizza. Like I'd get wings or nachos or something, but mm-hmm. we've never ordered pizza. And we got it, and that is by far my favorite pizza. But it's the thin – I think they have thick and thin. The thin crust pizza there is the best pizza in Plattsburgh, in my opinion. I might not be arguing with that, right? It is really good. T- take I, it for what it is. Yeah, That's I my, got you. You know what my other – it's not my favorite. It's a totally different style, but it's in my top like two or three. Is just the Arnie's pizza, different style, totally different. Like cook like everything under with the cheese. All right, all right. And the it's in the crust. The crust there's like it's almost like a buttery crust. Like you don't get like the I don't like the really doughy crust. So when you get like the generic like I in like the you get like a Dino's, Bazanos, um, you get like those kind like Zachary's. They all have that like thick dough crust. The pizza part I like. The, the dough is like too heavy for me. It's always like thin crust pizza because just like you get more toppings, mm-hmm. but it doesn't fill you up as much with like the crusty part. But then um, Arnie's has like that buttery crust, which is really good. So yeah, that's like North Country Club pizza. I don't know if you ever had that in Keysville. Now I it's called not. North Country Food Company or something you can buy at Arnold's Grocery. Is it still good? It's still really good, right? It's you buy it frozen now. It's not at the restaurant, but you buy it frozen, cook it at home. It's it's really different. It's not like any pizza you've had before. The crust is different. I don't know what he's doing in it, but it's wonderful. It, it, it's, it's a niche. It, it's weird how they Is it my yeah. favorite? No, but it's it's completely unique. And My favorite's Mickey's right now. If I had to pick, you give me one pizza, I'm getting Mickey's pizza. The f- thin crust. It's hard to argue that right now. I'm trying to think what's... You know. Like, and there's some good ones. Like, I love Hobie's. I love Giuseppe's. I, I love Giuseppe's. Like Hobie's, yeah. yeah. Like, they're all good. I mean, I'm not saying that these places are bad pizza. I'm just saying. I like Pizza Palace for what it is. It's not my number one style, that thicker cluster, but I like it. I like, see, I like, um, they have really good wings. They do. Mm-hmm. My favorite My favorite wings are the Romeo wings at um, Pasquale's, Hobie's, whatever. Those, oh, yeah. Those mm-hmm. are my, my top ones. But um, Pizza Palace has really good wings. I'm not, the pizza's good. I always find that sometimes the inside of the pizza's not fully cooked like i've had it before where like the inside is like when you like pull it off like a, you know when you like pull the pizza off you cut it and you pull it and like the inside of the cheese just like drags off the pizza i've had that multiple times and i don't like that yeah you definitely gotta cool a little bit it, for sure, it right? tastes that, good don't mm-hmm. get me wrong at all at the end of the day it all goes in the same place but to me it's just like sometimes like maybe that's why i like 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 Mickey's, you just pick it up. It's just there. It's like solid, holds together. Eat it. It's great. You fold it up in like a little like burrito look, and you kind of have that. So I don't know. This is like an aside, but I think Mickey's pizza because nobody thinks of like I don't think people think about it. But I think if you tell people that, they're like, yes, Mickey's pizza, thin crust. I'm just I'm I gotta not, like you said it. You, I got to distinguish it. I love my boy but, New York pizza, but I might change my opinion. I do love Mickey's thin they're, crust. They're close, but the, the New yeah, York yeah. pizza though is just takeout. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's just like quick, yep. like you mean to take out and go. Um, what's your favorite, if you could have one food the rest of your life, Paul, what, what would it be? 
That's hard because I'm definitely a foodie. I like a little bit of everything. Uh, you know, pizza kind of sticks out as a pretty universal. You have it a few times a year. All time though, the one thing you get. But let's not say like on my deathbed. What am I eating or asking for for the last meal? I'm gonna be I'm gonna be electrocuted. <laughs> That's how you're going electrocution. No, uh, the uh, no, not me. Yeah. <laughs> My uh, last meal in prison, like I, you're gonna be executed. Tonight. I, you're like, well, if I'm getting executed, this what's that last meal? Right? I'm actually, gonna, if you were gonna waterboard me, I'm gonna totally have a different, different, uh, different last meal. But no, I, I would. Let's not even go the only food you could eat. Let's say, what's one food you could eat every day? Meaning, you could eat other foods throughout the day, but like, for like some meal of the day, you had to have this food. What could you do every single day without fail? And you want to get sick of it. It might be some kind of a pizza, especially if I can mix it around with different types of it, right? If it I would give you that. I'd give you that. Like okay. if you just said, I can get pizza, but I can get like, like I could get Mickey's Thin Crust pizza, but I get to pick any toppings I want and I can mix up the toppings. I would give you that. I, I kind of like that because you can mix it up. Maybe get a wheat crust one time. Maybe you're right. I'm trying to balance it out. It's, it's not the worst thing for you to eat. It always sounds pretty good. So you go with pizza? That'd be it? I think so. I'm trying to think. Really I mean, I'm not going to hold you to this. I'm just saying, like top of the top of like off the cuff. This would be. Something I like that. It's going to be salad, dude. But I'd be lying if I said a salad every day, right? I mean, a sa- even I try I, to eat salads every day, but because that's what I, I think. Even eat. if you get a salad and you can mix up the salad, I would get sick of salad. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Like if you could say you could have Cobb's, anything. I mean, whatever Caesar, Asian chopped noodle, whatever. Like you could have all those salads. I'd eventually get sick of salads. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I think this. I always go back back and forth between two. I'm going to give you the one that I think is second, and then I'll give you my first one. Sushi. I love sushi, and I would put it up there, but I feel like at a certain point, I would get tired of eating sushi. I don't eat that stuff. Swam, man. I ain't eat nothing. You don't swam. like sushi at all? I love sushi. So Swam, crawl on the bottom of the ocean floor, whatever, man. I ain't eat you're that. Not a, you're not a fish guy. No. I'll really? do an occasional piece of shrimp because I love shrimp co- or cocktail sauce, like extra horseradish. That's crazy. Like, there's some that's people that stuff. just do not like like fish. No, man, that's swim. I don't know. I don't know what it is. I didn't have it growing up. Whatever. I like fish, but like, so sushi's up there. But I, I think the only thing that would overtake sushi is chipotle for me. Oh, I do love chipotle. That, eat, isn't that some good stuff? And this is the thing. Like, I when you talk about like you could have it every day. Not, it's not the only thing you get to eat, but you could go and get some version of that every single day. I would sign me up every day. I think that sound a lot better for you, right? That's a more. I mean, balanced. there was a certain point where I was eating it like two, three times a week, oh, but, here, man, and too. I was, yeah. I mean, there was a couple times I met you there, and it's like I, it wasn't even. There was not one point where I'm like, ah, really, Chipotle? I want to go there. I'm like, Chipotle, yeah, fine. Like, it's, it? It's ready. It looks good. It's there. We like it. It's easy to eat. I always get the bowl. I get, I the get a bowl too, right? Yeah, easy to eat. Tastes good. Ingredients are good. I also find that the, the like, this is the other thing too. The cost. For what you get for the satisfaction fulfillment and i would say like the let's say the health implications of it is like the best deal going just some places i go and i'm like the food's great it's healthy whatever i'm like why i just spent 18 dollars and i'm not full and i have a problem with that yeah it's like uh the, well, i was talking about pad thai once like i could buy pad thai at Sawati for i don't know what it costs let's I, say I, 12 yeah, bucks good. or something like that or i could spend 42 dollars buy the ingredients at the store and make a shittier version of pad thai can I say that? I don't know if I can, but you, you can know say that. you might as well spend the 12. Yeah. I mean, I, um, Sawadee is actually one of my favorite restaurants. Oh, me too. too. Mm-hmm. Um, would you get pad thai? Pad thai. My, my favorite is the kugai. Kugai. Which, all right. Which is like egg noodles with brown. It's a egg noodles with brown sauce and it's got like bean sprouts. It doesn't have broccoli. I wish it did. It has bean sprouts. I usually get the pork and I forgot what the other, the other stuff's in there. It's, 
It's really good though. But it's simple. It's like nice little meal. It's easy. It's not very saucy. It's not very spicy. It's got like a nice like sweet tang to it. It's it's just like solid. It's like that mindless like you can just scoop it. Yeah. Like comfort food Pat kind of thing. Mal, you know, drunken noodle. That's some good stuff, man. But it, but it's like easy to eat. It's like when mm-hmm. you get like like I like shepherd's pie. Like when you get shepherd's oh, pie, like yeah. just throw it into a bowl. I just want to I just want to sit there and just eat it. I don't want to cut. I don't want to really chew hard. I just want to sit there and scoop it and like enjoy that. Mm-hmm. Like it's like a casserole. If you get a casserole and you throw it in a like a tuna fish casserole, you throw that on a bowl. You don't like t- fish. I get it. But like if you threw that in a bowl and just ate it, it'd be good. And it's mm-hmm. like it's, again, it's like goulash everything, man. Yeah, give me goulash, a bowl of that. Right, exactly. that's easy. Yep, exactly. Just like something simple, that's not hard. Like even spaghetti, like you gotta twist it, and sometimes it'd be messy. Like goulash, you just scoop it on your fork or spoon and eat it, and it's easy. Made from the finest can sold at Hannaford, right? Exactly. Processed in a factory in New York City. Yeah, that's what I'm talking that's about. It. Straight up eighty seven, right 87. to your mouth. Like yeah. I, I uh, how about the other day when we ordered? So, um, have you ever ordered anything from B and H? No, that's where that? I got the. That's where I got the. Oh, light. that was incredible. So okay, so we're gonna tell this backstory here. So B and H, I don't know what it stands for. It's a it's a video photo company, um, out of New York City. It's the home base. So I've never seen a company. Um, let's say sh- they've never seen a company ship products faster and get to your door faster. The only other one I could probably say is Chewy, the dog food thing. They're mm-hmm. pretty damn quick too. But so B and H. I ordered it what probably two o'clock in the afternoon, like on like Thursday, and it was at our door by like ten a.m. the next morning. Right, and you told me it too. It's going to be here the next day. I said you're fudging me, man. There's no way it's going to do well, that. The, right? Well, then when I end, I'm like, there's a possibility this comes the next day. I'm not guaranteeing it. Possibility, and I this was just standard shipping. I didn't pay any extra. I ended up getting something from them that said it's going to be probably Tuesday. On Thursday, I'm like, that's fine. You know, we're kind of like close to Christmas. I totally get it. Then all of a sudden, like an hour and a half later, I got a notification saying it had shipped. Now it's coming straight up from New York City. So whatever they did, like put it on, a, I don't know, New York City to Albany up here, whatever they did, like FedEx dropped it off at like 1030 in the morning. Because I remember looking, I'm like, that's we- we got an extra package. What the heck's that? Sure enough. Oh, yeah. And I got here just after it came. And I said, oh, oh my God, that donkey oh, hole was right. He's- seconds. Seconds after that, I opened <laughs> that up. You literally walked in and I had to tell him, like, literally, Paul, I just put it right down on the couch. Like, this, look at this. Came like, in. You son of a bitch. It's here. I'll be Co- damned. Co- Cody's mouth dropped. You, it was like, we all were in shock. And what I was a day like, to be alive. What and, a time. And, and I was in my head. I was like. $5 hot and readies and one day delivered I, from New York City. I was like, B&H did me right again. I like right? g- Good. Good. So anybody needs, like, photo video equipment. And again, B&H, shout out. I, they were good, but they were like they're a pretty big company down in New York City, but they have a, a ton of camera. If you're a camera video guy, like that's they have everything. It's like the Walmart superstore of that equipment, and they ship fast, hot and ready. Yeah, exactly. Not five bucks, but not, it, five, it, it, not five bucks, <laughs> but it was hot and ready. Um, it's about what, what's the what's the goal with Phase? Like, what are we? Uh, are you still kind of in the infancy enough where you're like you haven't really thought about like the next stages or? Do you guys have a similar like master it's, plan or it's so funny you mention that because like we just talked about for the last 20 years, I've got my MBA. I've talked about putting business plans together and helping businesses do that. I don't have none of that for phase yet. You know, we've kind of started, we're getting busy. I'm finding you got to set time aside to do that. I need a business plan, right? What are my goals for next year? What are my sales goals? You know, the insurance company asked, how much you can do in sales year one? Dude, I don't know that, man. So, th- but this is something that you like. But I got to do that, right? I need to have a plan of. Well, I, I would think you would start planning that. Like now, like. We're talking, right. So I don't think I'm now you're own owner, like business owner. Right. I'm not saying I have nothing. So I think the goal would be to get to the point where I sustain 
myself, my partner, we're making a good career. We're kind of talking about what are our goals personally? How much money maybe are we looking to make? How do we get to that point? So were you like this before when you had, when you were in sales? Like how did that, were you like, when you were doing sales before, were you like commission based? Were you salary based? Were you like, yeah, sales when I was, especially an account executive, it was a hundred percent commissioned at that point. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay. So you, you were like in that grind. Right. Even mm-hmm. even all the way to the end, you were still in that same position, or did you have base salary and like? Yeah, it was a sales manager, right? There was base and bonuses. Yeah, exactly. So but a but originally as a salesperson, salesman, one hundred percent. And okay, so that's why I'm maybe not too scared because I'm used to that. Okay, you kind of know when that the big check comes in. Hey, we had a busy month, right? We were at Kavanaugh for a couple of months. Hey, that's not going to be the same next month. You got to kind of prepare for things are going to come and go for a while. The ebbs and flows. The ebbs and flows, exactly. So now even that too is that you've been in business longer than I have, but well, I I mean I've I've. Uh, like you always have sales goals down and I, I think that I've done some stuff good, but some stuff bad. One of the things that I'm terrible at and I've kind of trying to get better at it is I've never, I've never done sales goals. Like 2022 for me was the first year in, I think it was my 12th year was my first year. I didn't write down sales goals, like purely didn't write down. I had other goals, not sales related, not in a bad thing, not in a bad way. Like I hit my, I hit my 10 year goal in the business. Um, I had come off of like back to back years. I was, um, the number one sales agent. Like I had all, like I hit the pinnacle. I was like, great. I peaked out. I was top. And then I had to take a couple of, and there was a few things like business wise where I'm like, okay, I'm planning more long term than short term. Like short term would be keep doing what I'm doing, which is lucrative in the, you know, the, uh, the short term, but kind of with like that analogy I told you about before, it takes long. I'd have to keep doing that for a long, long period of time over and over and over again. So I was like, let me take like a step or two back to try to propel myself even further down the road and really get that hockey stick growth. But I had to make some short term sacrifices. So when it comes down to sales, 2022 was the first year in real estate that I had, I did not make a sales goal. Like I didn't care what I sold. I, um, obviously I was like semi aware of it. Um, but I was down substantially because I just didn't put the time into that because I was putting a ton of time into things that most people will never get to see. If if that makes sense, they will, but like, like you individually would not see the work that I put in this past year. I will see it on the grant, like like the thirty thousand foot view of everything. It's gonna have a really bigger impact than me doing what I was doing before. Individually, I don't think people will notice as much, but I had to take that step back to jump forward. So the but the sales goal, I will say, if you have sales goals numbers, even up to that point in time, I never made a sales goal based on money, which was. I don't know if that was good or bad. I always just did it based on like numbers. Like how many homes, how many units? Like I always was based on numbers. I didn't care about price, um, even though we got paid off a of price. Like I don't get paid. if I sell a home, I don't get a flat fee. I get paid based on the per. Like if I sold a five hundred thousand dollar home, it make it's way better than me selling a hundred thousand dollar home. But I never had in my mind that I treated the five hundred thousand dollar home different than a hundred thousand dollar home. Now, sure, okay, I would agree. Now, with in that. the sense that a logical person might say, "Well, you're making five times as much money." That's absolutely true, and typically for less work than I would do with a hundred thousand. I never, and, and I and still to this day, I, I I have that same mindset. Like people get excited, like oh my god, you sold like a a higher priced home, 
and if you were to say, I'm like, yeah, like I, I don't get excited to see, like I don't, like I sold us, uh, like a, like let's say I sell something over a half mil. That doesn't excite me as like doesn't excite me any different than if I put someone under uh, for an average price home sale. Like to me, it's the idea of I help somebody or I got a deal or I made something come together. It's like you like securing an account. You know, obviously a bigger account is more lucrative, but I always found that just the the act of securing an account was like what was my like adrenaline rush. That was, was like, always my goal as a seller. I always wanted me. It was one a month. One it was, you know, it was a big decision in advertising takes yeah. a while. I said I want to get one new advertiser on every month. Yeah, and and now were you when you did that? And I'm not, I'm not, the, I'm not blind to the fact that, like, if all things being equal, yes, I prefer to sell all my average price point to be half a million dollars than two hundred thousand. But I never put that into my plan. I always just was like, hey, if I can go from here to this amount, knowing that over time, my nat, my it's natural for the average price point in my industry to increase based on, you know, my my. Um, my networking group based on my years experience, based on doors that open, like I'm naturally going to have a little bit higher um, average price, but I never factored that in. So I was always like, okay, but my goal was, let's say, like I remember my first goal was one deal a month and it took me three years to get it. And then I was like, okay, I'm going to try for two deals a month. And that was like, oh my God, that's crazy. I can't do two deals a month. Like I don't know how anybody's even like, I don't even know how that's possible. I think the max I got to my top year was like five and a half to six deals a month, which I even think that in my head, I'm like, that's insane because my first two years, I did three to three and six deals in a year, you know? And then really a few years ago, I was doing that in a month, like three deals in a month was a bad month, you know, but that was, but I had gotten up to that point, but I got up to that point, not focusing on dollar. I got up to that point figuring like, how do I go from one deal a month, the two deals a month, the three deals a month, the four deals a month, and you can see how that progressed up. And all of a sudden, you like look back in the rearview mirror, and you're doing six deals a month, and you're like, oh, "Okay, like that, you know, I get it. Like that, that's a lot going on right there, you know." But that's where my mindset was at versus the dollar amount. Like, did you were you do more dollar amount or unit amount? And I could be totally wrong on the way. Sure, I no. I, just, like, I like, think it was good for me to have unit amounts to help me get to the dollar amount goals. At the end of the day, yeah. like you know, there's the deals for corporate wants certain deals of the job. You know, the station wants or the TV station worked for wanted certain dollar amounts to pay for our resources. And I think goals are good because it helps someone stay motivated. It helps someone know that here's the plan. Here's what you know the business needs to grow. Here's what I need personally to make sure that enough money for me and my family. But that's only one metric. And sometimes you can spend so much time trying to think of that bigger deal, right? That big house, that big clothes, that whale. You should always try for a white whale in your pocket, but you don't want to forget about these smaller ones. Mm -hmm. now, I, that's why I like that other metric of one deal a month for me, whatever it was. You know, it's going to be different for whatever you're selling. Yeah. And, and again, I don't know. Like, And some people, I think, are just purely dollar amount. Because I've asked agents before. I'm like, how many deals you do? I'm like, I don't know. I did like, I'm at 3 million sales. Sales volume, not making, but three hundred million or three, three million sales volume, and I, and I've had conversations with agents. I'm like, what? So how many deals did you? And people don't know. And I'm, in my head, like I always track both. I track units, and I, I did track the dollar amount, but I was always focused on the the unit amount because the dollar amount kind of has to take care of itself. Like if someone called me and had a, you know, a four hundred thousand dollar home, or someone called me and had a seventy thousand dollar property. I'm just happy I got a call from a person, like same, a person, same. you know, mm -hmm. so it's like, to me, I wasn't discriminating against like, 
eh, I'm not going to give you the time of day because I'm going to take care of this person. I've, and, and that's never even crossed my mind with deals. Um, honestly, I, I want to deal with the better person person. Like, you know, if the half a million dollar person's a dick, like probably don't want to talk to you or I'll drop. Like I had a couple big price listings. I just got rid of them. Like these clients are terrible people. Like not, they're not bad people. They're just not good. They weren't good clients. And well, that becomes your like your mental health. Your this isn't worth the stress or the aggravation over it. You're, you're well, like me though, and you love what you do, and you it's not about it is sure it is about making money, but I just want to help people. I love what I do. I'm excited to go through that process. When they call me now for I want to do an estimate, sure I'm going to show you what I can do. Here's I I think I'm the mm-hmm. best choice to help you with this project. I well I also go in my mind. It's like. You know, I try to I try to really like step back and look at everything. Okay, okay, they're mad about this, or maybe they're unreasonable about this, or maybe they, you know, I'm giving them this information and I'm saying black and they're saying white, and like all these things, and you're trying to figure it out, and then eventually you just got to realize like I just got to cut this person off because they're, they're they're sucking my time, mm-hmm. and you know the payout's not going to be there because of whatever unrealistic expectation they have. Like, and we've been in the market right now, like the sales price has dropped, so you know. Last year, the year before, two years ago, like if you were a seller and you popped your home on the market, you were probably, we very rarely had to have any argument with a seller because the sellers were just like, yeah, whatever. That sounds great. Like I never thought in a million years I'd sell it for that price. And they were getting that price. Now we're on the flip side. So now sellers have to readjust what they're thinking about. But when we have the conversation of like, listen, like you listed higher than what I told you to list four, five, six months ago. And we're actually lower than what we were four, five, six months ago when I told you that value. You still have not dropped. So number one, you haven't even got to my baseline that I wanted at the start. Now that baseline is actually, or that that, that floor is now dropped even more. So now that gap is even further away, but yet you're still clinging on to this dollar amount. So I've had conversations with sellers. I'm like, do you still want to sell? Like, what's your goal? Like, because you're not going to sell at the price. Like, this is just not going to happen. So what do you want to just take off the market? Do you want to hold on to it? Do you want to rent it? Like, what's your other, what are your other goals with the property? Well, I want to sell it. Okay, okay, but you're not going to sell at that price. So then you've got to go to go in that conversation of, you know, what's the next step? Knowing that, like, what we're doing now, and I always tell clients, I mean, it's time versus money. So you're dead set. Money's a big issue for you because you're not dropping your price. Are you willing to keep it on the market for five years? Like, when's the market going to stop dropping? When's it going to regulate? When are you going to see it climb back up to where we were? Arguably three to five years. You know, and that's- you and I have joked. I thought about throwing a sign up in my house and putting an mm-hmm. FU price onto it. That's just, hey, if, if somebody wants it, great, but I'm not planning on selling it. Yeah. And, but that, at that, well, then know what that is. We're but a couple years ago, it. it was almost like, hey, honestly, try it because the market is continuing to climb up. So, like, if you want to put yourself above the market, but you know the market's going that direction, that's not a bad strategy. And I, I had that strategy with clients. I'm like, try it. Let's try it. Worst case, we find out we're a little too high, but we'll drop it. But that's probably good. Now we're getting to the point where the price is going away. Sellers are holding steady for whatever reason. And the price drops, price drop, or the, the, the market value drops. Now that gap between what they want and where the market is has gotten bigger and bigger and bigger. So now they're further away from selling. But for some reason, they just want to keep the house and they're just like dead set. Like, I'm going to get... 30,000 over depending on, on the, the house, but I'm going to get, tw- you know, 15, 20% over what the market's giving. I'm like, well, you better hope someone comes in cash because it's not going to appraise out number one. And then number two, it's like that, that could take years for that to happen. So then you're like, really, you're, 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 you're putting all your eggs in the money basket and the time basket, which we all know is more important than and money. The taxes you're paying over the years of this your place holding costs, your mm-hmm. heating costs. Absolutely. And you know, and then you also just have the, the idea of like, 
which people don't factor in. But if you have a house that you're not utilizing, and like some of these maybe are second home and are just sitting there, and it's like, okay. But then you have like the responsibility that's just hanging over your head. So if there's an issue, something you have to take care of. Maybe something you have to go check on. Maybe you're just driving out to take a look at it or plow the driveway or, you know, winterize it and or shut off the water. You're, you have all these little tasks and tedious things you have to do in your day-to-day. Like, do you still want to do that? Because most people don't put a price tag on it, but they've said you're sucking up your time. I've always wondered that with commercial properties you see around town. Well, not naming it. You see some that have sit for years, and I'm thinking... Vacant, yeah. Why? Like, at some point, you, you've, you're just paying all these taxes. Wouldn't you drop it enough to get rid of it? Mm-hmm. But I, again, I don't understand that market. You could probably tell me better over a few no, beers. No, right. No, I mean, a few beers would work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My, 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 uh, my, my, loose get, or what's it, my lips get looser, and you'll, you'll hear some, some more color commentary. But that's... Uh, like, have you run into that in your... I mean, sales business, you must have before. Mm-hmm. Like... Basically, you come to them, you understand more than what the client knows, and the client's not listening to you. Like, I, I remember we, we talked about it. Like, there was stuff I I didn't uh, – I, I don't want to say I disagree with you. I just – it wasn't right for our business, and it was more of like at the time where I just didn't feel like it was what I wanted to spend the money on or, or the avenue I wanted to go. It wasn't that I didn't believe in the product or what it could do for certain people, but it would be like me going and like – taking all the information you had and just saying how that was wrong and that the way I do it's better, but I'm not in that industry. You know, like if, like if I go tell a seller, like best way to sell your house and the price to sell your house. And then you're basically saying, I don't, I'm, I want to hire you, but I'm going to tell you how you should do your job. And I'm going to tell you like, Oh, you did how many deals and you've been in it for how many years? Like, no, no, no. I've actually sold my last time I sold my house was 20 years ago. So I'm going to tell you how it's done. Like when you get that, those are, those are the clients that are, at the end of the day, the most like sludging client. Like they, they, they you, the amount of energy and time and effort that you go through and you know is wasted because they just can't hear the truth and you I, tell them the truth. Mm-hmm. And it's like my favorite one is someone that comes up to me and like, listen, I don't know what I'm doing. Can you tell me what what's the correct steps? Those, if I hear that, I'm like, you're going to have – you're going to make out better than any seller because of your attitude. Where basically it's like, I'm hiring you. Just tell me what to do. Because people that are good at their job and have been doing it, 100% know better than what you – if you're not in that industry. It would be like me telling you how to like install the HVAC system. I don't know, Paul. Like, you might say, like, do you want it here or there? I'm like, oh, I want it there because of con- oh, whatever, you know, convenience or easy to get, or get to or stays out of the way. Sure, I'm going to conversation be what your goals are. When someone's like, well, how much yeah. does this unit cost? Don't worry. I don't know if you need that. I always love the what does a spot in the six PM news cost and the you know selling TV. I don't even know if you need a spot in the six PM news. Who are you trying to reach? What's your target audience? What are your goals? Mm-hmm. Then I'll put a plan together to do that. Trust me, that's why you're coming to me for that. Let me figure that part out. Yeah, and I do. Then so tell me the time. Don't build me a clock. So what, what say it again? Tell me the time. Don't build me a clock. Just keep it simple. Oh, and right. I, just I like that. Uh, right? But like, well, that's the first thing when I go like someone's trying to sell a property. My first question I ask any seller is like, why are you selling? Like, what's the goal? Like, what are we trying to accomplish here? Like, if you just want to know the value of the property, I'm like, I can give you like a ballpark what I think it's going to sell for, but I got to factor in like, what, what's like, when do you want to sell? What's important to you? Like, what's because we can factor stuff yeah, around. Do you need to sell tomorrow? Could you sit on a few months? I think this is correct. Gonna and I'll yeah, give you a different. I'll give you different clues. I like how much. Right. What's your budget? To, like, are you willing to put some money in the house to fix it up? Do you have a place to go? Do you have like, you know, like. There's a whole host of reasons why that I tailor different things. If you're like, well, what's my house going to sell for? I'm like, well, that's dependent. What's your time frame? Like, what's how quickly do you have to sell? How long can you sit? Like you said, what's 
you know, now let's look at the market. What's the demand? What are you, who are you up against? Like, who are you up against in the sense of like, what are homes are on the market? There's, there's more to it than just like, hey, like what price you want? 400,000. Okay. 400,000. And there's agents that do that. I'm like, did you, did you even talk to this person? Like, did you even like, look like do any research on the market? You know? And it, so it's, it's kind of, it's like anything else. Like you get, um, actually totally different story. I visited a place the other day, yesterday and company contractor doing work not going to name names but paul this the work that was done they fired this person they have a different contract coming in i was going to slide your name in but they already they already had someone lined up um this i wish i could bring you through this place and you could see how bad it was talk about finishing paul you 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 would be like you would be like leonardo da vinci finishing this house versus what you saw here really and that's come from I'm paul. cutting corners finish work cutting here, corners llc exactly. paul you might as well have been like yeah like the mona lisa llc like like paul this was disgusting how bad this was like it, it was pieces were missing things weren't like like there was a railing with like a gap in it that like shook side to side it wasn't like the height was not correct all these things that you if i told you like hey paul i need this done Anybody with tools and a reasonable mind would be able to, you know, put it to how it should be. It was, and I, I told uh, someone, Jen, yesterday, it's like, imagine if we both had tools and we had access to material and we had, like, you either do not have the knowledge or you just don't care. It was one of those two. It was like a mixture of, like, I have the tools, I don't, or maybe you don't have the tools because you're cutting corners, but this was awful. And that is too bad when you see someone doing something that they don't have any experience of the knowledge doing. I like to believe that I will tell, like even the finished work, man, I've done it before, but that's not a specialty. Now, in your case, correct, you or you could say I just don't, I just that's out of my pay grade, well, not pay grade, but I'm sure, saying that's right, out of my right. knowledge. Exactly, that's well, you told I me the other day, but like stuff. the gutter thing, like I just can't do it. I'm like, okay, I got to talk to you about that. But like, but like that's one of the things you're just honest. You're like, I'd rather just tell you I can't do it. Like, let's like get get the problem solved, which which I think is good. I think that's like a. a no, the honesty factor. I also think in your line of business, if if the back end is smooth, because I find a lot of contractors are just scatterbrained. And again, I'm generalizing here, but like there's a lot of contractors just scatterbrained. They won't get back to you. All of a sudden, they were supposed to do something, and then you find out like a week later they put another job in front, and they won't get back to you for another like month. I mean, you hear all these stories all the time, and just trying to get people out to do stuff. Like I'd much rather have someone say it's gonna be six months. I'm like, perfect. I just want to plan my my time versus like, yeah, we can get to it. And all of a sudden you're like, hey, are you gonna come out and look at it? Like, oh yeah, we'll come out next week and do it. I'm like you told yes. me that two weeks ago you're gonna come out, which I don't care. Just give me the time. If you're gonna say hey, it's gonna take me three weeks to get a quote, then I can either accept that and lock that in, or I'm just gonna go elsewhere and look. But I said at least give me the courtesy. And these people that like I've seen that plenty of times where it's like, hey, so-and-so is supposed to stop in. So-and-so is supposed to stop in. Or they go radio silent and you haven't heard from them. And then you're following up with them. And I always, always find it crazy. If like I'm following up to you to put money in your pocket, there's something wrong about that. Like in my business, if I don't follow up with someone, someone's calling another agent in about 10 minutes. Like that's just the reality of my business. But that's not the case for most people. And that's always like is, is so bizarre to me that I'm like giving you an opportunity to potentially have business. And the least you could do is just say, hey, I'm too busy Correct. Like, this week. Mm -hmm. How about I come out Monday morning and take a look at it? Perfect. That, what that, time? And that's what I loved about, you know, I did the Disney College program and the Disney customer experience they go for. And that's, that's external customers and internal customers. How can you make sure that you stand out and it's probably this amazing experience? I want when you to work with phase and, 
It was easy to do business phase. They did quality work. God, that son of a bitch was hilarious. You know, he had a good time. He interacted You're with about everybody. Cody right now? Yeah, 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 Cody. Yeah, not yeah, me. Yeah, I'm yeah, a fucking yeah. asshole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course, Cody. Absolutely. But you know what I'm saying? I wanted to be different. I want this guy was fun. Well, He's got a fun logo. He's, well, well, the the other thing too, like you've. Like even when you send me money, like you don't send me money. When you send me the bill to give you money, like the billing process is just like it's easy, it's smooth, it's all electronic, but it's there. Like you can click the invoice and see exactly what it is. You can pay it all online. Like it's a very simple process. It's not like no offense, but like the, you know when you get like the sheet and it's like scribbled down writing, you can't read it, and it's like you know. Or it's a different price for cash. I always hated that. No man, if you pay by car, it's the same price. But it's just everything's just like slow, like laid out nice. It's just easy. Like I'm saying, like that's that's like. A very simple thing, but like in the contracting business, that just seems like it's a crazy. Like you, you almost think that that's like a one up, like that's a level up within the industry, which I like with what you guys have. But it's like almost, you know, there's so many things I find when you deal with certain, like say a contractor, and they give you like a, you know, like the old school paper I'm talking about. Oh yeah, they, like they draft mm-hmm. on. It's got the pink, yellow, and white sheets, and like you can barely read it. And it's faded out, and they got a number circled, and nothing at. No, there's no like. Nothing's lined up and you don't know what's what. Like then I'm sitting there, I'm like, what are you charging me for? And not that I'm not gonna pay it, but I'm like, I, I just want to follow it for record keeping. Yours are like, boom, everything's good. It's you know, it's quick, write your email. Like I think that level of professionalism and then, you know, coming out and like scheduling, be like, Yeah, I'm gonna be here that day, this day, and then like then you show up when you tell me you're gonna be here. I'm like, Oh, that's cool. Like, I'm not saying you have to come at any time, but it's just so, so I can plan a, especially when you're doing stuff here that I want to have ready for you guys or move for you guys or just things that like internally or like, okay, if you're coming in Friday and today's Tuesday, then now I'm going to pu- push some stuff that I know I can get done prior to them coming in. So a lot, depending on the person, like, so we've been doing some of that stuff for you. Well, we tried to, where we had just some things moved or done or, or ready for you to go. So mm-hmm. when you came in, it's like, okay, we can do it. Or we kind of planned around what, you know, what's priority or what the weather's doing and things like that. But I like that aspect of, try to make it smoother because I could rely on you guys showing up versus like, I don't know when Paul and Cody are coming. Like they can't, I don't know. They came last Tuesday and now it's Thursday. And like, I haven't heard from them all week. Like that's, especially when the job's like, just, you know, as you could say, it's just sitting there for days and days and days, you know? And I think most people, it's not like it needs to be done tomorrow, but it also, I think feel like big gaps of just things getting done is, is annoyance on any level. Cause you're just like, it's just like, like, can we just get this done? And just like, that's what you don't want to take too much on. Like, and I try to do that myself yeah. to make sure that if I know it, this is going to be a couple weeks. I don't want to tell someone I got it next week. I got you next week. And I'm like, mm-hmm. then I'm overbooked. Then people are disappointed in me. Correct. And I think, well, I've, I've, I've gotten big, like a lot of my like planning and goal setting. Have you read the one thing, Paul? Book? No. Okay. You got to read it. It's good. It's called the one thing. But the idea behind the one thing is like you, this is how I do all of my, um, my planning and prep and everything else. And it's one of the most fascinating books I've ever read. And it, because it's like, and the more you read it and the more you like practice it and read it, it's like you keep learning more. But the whole idea behind it is like focus on your like task and don't try to do everything for everybody, but focus on the task. So if you're like, Hey, I'm going to, you know, work at someone's house. The idea would be to work at the house until basically that job's done or you have only one other thing that's going to fill the gap. But like you said, you're not going to have a million things that are going to take time up. Like we're working on some stuff internally that we were doing, you know, quite actively. And then this opportunity to buy this kind of fell in my lap you know, about three months ago. And 
I was still doing stuff to the point when it was almost time to move in here. Like I wasn't even ready because I was so focused on that stuff. I didn't really have, I didn't put any focus into this. Well, then we got this place and then my focus completely shifted to this, this, just this place. Like I punted a lot of stuff because I just didn't want to overload myself, but I also didn't want to like dabble in this. You know what I mean? I want to be sitting here doing a bunch of sales stuff. And then dabbling here, and all of a sudden, this project goes out until like June of next year. Right, and things take longer than you thought. You get sick. Like my son had COVID for a while, right? Yeah, that I had to stay home with him. Like that, that threw me right off. Then things yeah. get backed up. But like, but like here, it was like I'm just, I'm just here. I'm here. Like mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm, you know, and I have a family and kids, and I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying to make sure I'm not neglecting them, but I neglected stuff in the business. But I'm like, but it's almost like I can only do so much. So my thing is. I'm going to power through this as much as I can, and then I can make a big check mark that this is completely done, and we're like 90 to 95% of the way there. But I can make that check mark, and then I'm like, great. I can push all of that crap aside. Now I can get back to what I really want to do that is going to have a greater impact on the – like this is a portion of an impact on the business, but it was definitely a distraction, but it was a distraction that I couldn't like just passively chip away at. Because, like, imagine, like, moving all your stuff in and then trying to paint. Like, moving mm-hmm. all your stuff in and trying to, like, have you come work around stuff. It's like, no, no, blank canvas. Let's just get as much done and move stuff in. That's why I like the podcast room. It's a, it's a complete wreck because I just became the catch-all room because I wanted everything else looking good. And then slowly made my way to that room, which now is, like, you know, going to be done soon. But it's still, you know left that to the last minute or not last minute but i had to do everything else before i could get to that and that can be shut you can shut that door for a while when you did it for work you can come and, back to it later correct right? and everything looked great mm-hmm. but there's still like i have a checklist of like you know I'm, I'm probably down to like let's say 15 to 20 things i need to do here they're not major a lot of them aren't major some are major but a lot of them aren't super major things like we've done majority of the work but in my head that's the the focus was like let me get let me get that stuff done and let me, like let me do a big push to get it done and then really if i can get this done in the next you know let's say 2 weeks i basically got everything done in 2 months start to finish and i'm done like you might say well you know that took a long time but this easily could have been a year project if i didn't do what i did mm-hmm. so my thing is but i'm done and then i can basically just put it completely behind me and get this big like hanging cloud off of me and now I can do all the other stuff and then you chip away at like another big pillar project and that or rock or whatever you want to call it then the next one but I've gotten better at not trying to do everything and a lot of it is like opportunities I've had to cut some things I had to cut you know whether it's seeing some people or going to events or doing certain things like I had because you can't do it all so it's like okay I'm going to take that step back neglect a few things I would love to get back to doing but there's a time and a place for it and like there's I heard this analogy. There's like seasons of your your life or season. Like you're in like a different season right now of your life. Meaning like you're switching a different company, you know, different, you know, uh, relationship stat. Like all this kind of stuff is happening, but it's all these different phases of your life that you're just kind of – and, and they, they require a different amount of input, output, focus, priority, all that. Like when you don't have kids, different stage of your life, you have a kid. Now you have a different priority and you have a different season of your life. Now your kid's, a, you know, an infant. Now your kid is, you know, like your son, like, you know, I would say elementary school, but like functional, like he's not, you know, you're not changing his diaper and doing that stuff. Like he's, he's on his own. Like, and then you start like, 
you know, you just can see all the different parts of your, your life and then the company. Like certain parts of the company, you can push more. Certain parts of the company, you can it's a little more steady, not as chaotic. And then certain parts, it's like, okay, I got to put 100% focus into this. And it might take me longer hours and more stress and less sleep and all that. But I have to make like a short sprint to get back to what I was doing before. And sometimes you can just prolong an output. But then sometimes you have to increase that output because of the time frame. Like I look at this building as like a two-week sprint. Even a two or not two week, two month sprint. Even though that seems like a long time, but it was like just every day, like focus on. But you had to do that. Had to do it. Mm -hmm. But you know, a month from now, I won't be doing that. Like I'll be coming in doing something totally different. I won't care about stuff that has to be painted. I won't Mm -hmm. care about something that I need to do because it's done. And I'm just like, I check check mark, like it's done. So I feel like that's something that I focused on. The the one thing though that's that book is fantastic. So anybody wants to read it, I think that's a good one. Um, to read, but it's really like, what is your main task that day? Like my main task today was to paint the podcast room. I have one more coat to do tonight, but once I do that coat, I'm it's painted, it's done. Like tomorrow, will be to finish the the steps, you know, or the the those steps, like the standing and stuff. It's not a hard project, but it's just one of those big tasks that, like, okay, it's just done and it's. it's I love I'm, those. I got today to do list. I got these are more long term. These are the next. Yep. Yeah, and it's just, but it's. You know, not putting too much on your plate or your expectations too high. Like Correct. You reorganize. Hey, I got nothing done today. These are the three. Okay, this gets moved here. Well, I mean, you saw all the keys. Like, I'm trying to go through this whole place and find, basically, do I have a key to every door? And do I have a spare to every door? Is what I'm trying to find. And then basically, like, if I don't, what do I have to go make copies of? And, oh, I have five keys to that one door. Then I can toss three of them. Like, I, I don't want five keys oh, hanging white up. noise. Exactly. Clutter. So, like, to me, I, I probably conservatively 50-something keys there. Maybe. Maybe more. Probably more, to be honest. But I have all these keys sitting there. And, like, I really only need, if I have two sets to every door, you know, you're probably looking at no more than, like, 30 keys. Something like that. So, I bet you I can get that 50% of the way gone. But then it's organized. Like... That right there is a full day project of going around and just like trying a bunch of keys and then labeling all the keys and keeping them like I have them taped to pieces of paper with the label as to what they go to and you know slowly making I mean it's a big building so like slowly making my way around every single doorway but once that's done and I have all the keys and I'm like I should never have to come back to that project again. But it's something that needs to be done now or I could just sit there and be like every time I run into a door issue I got to figure out which key it is. So it's more of the convenience, but I'm saving myself a lot of time in the future by doing it. But that's like a that's like a big project that hopefully, you know, next week at some point, one of those days, that's going to be my one thing. It's like, just figure out the keys. Like, don't worry about anything else. Don't worry about, like, trying to, you know, hang this, do that, come up with this major project. Like, just my goal today is keys. If I get it done, awesome. Everything else is bonus. But I got my key dilemma all figured out and it's not a big deal people are like oh that's not that big of a deal i'm like it's not but it's just like a it's just something that will linger and it'll sit on my desk and it'll be all mm-hmm. these ma- keys all over the place and and it's a small task but that's like it could just be like hanging like that fireplace it could be just hanging that fireplace like not a big task but it'll take some time and you just got to plan to do it during the day it might only take like a half hour you ever reward yourself for something simple like i'll say hey if i gotta if i clean this kitchen get that done I can do some Tinder swiping, but don't do it till then. You know what I'm you saying? You know what? I said if I could if I could put the first coat of po- uh, paint on the podcast today, I could have a beer with Paul Deal today. And that's you know what? This is my reward right here. Exactly. That's that's it. I mean, some are better. Your yours is better. My this, you know, this was kind of a low level uh, you know, 
I'd rather have someone else here, but I had you here. So this is no, it. I get it, man. That's exactly. It. Yep. I'm... You know, and I, I gave you, I gave, I feel, I feel like a good drink. I feel like a good, uh, a steady Eddie there for beer, but, um, but no, realist. Yes, I, I would say, I don't know if I reward myself with anything, but what I will say is that if I complete that, like the reward for me is the mental, um, the mental calmness that comes with finishing it. If that makes sense. Like if I do, if you have like a project, if I, like if my project that day was just to finish that, I'm talking about, I'm pointing at the keys. If I finish the keys, then I would say anything else in the day would be a bonus, but I got done the keys and I'm like, I accomplished something. I accomplished my Mm -hmm. goal today. My goal was only one thing. It wasn't six things I had to do that day. I was like, I get this done. I gotta get this done. I gotta get this done, but I got it done. So then what happens is once I get it done, I just realized it's after five o'clock. I'm supposed to give my kid a daycare. At what time? Before five. Paul, we're having so much fun. Paul. I know. I got to go. I thought it was going to be quicker than that. I was like, oh, Look shit. at this guy. Just hey, it's been a pleasure, running. Galen. Thank everybody out there. You know, think of face services or strictly business. And if you're single looking to date, look me up as well. Either way, right? Wow, I got, you I got a lot to offer, man. You went there. Paul Paul Deal. Hey, hey. we're, we're going to end that next podcast. That, that is actually the second quick, quickest hit and run. Matt Craig one time literally had to get up because his goat was dying. I felt bad. I think the oh, goal survived, but yeah, it was exactly. like it was my a bad story is not as heartbreaking. No, that, no, right? but it's still it's still important. It's important, absolutely. Um, all right. Well, Paul Dio phase. I'll I'll let you go. You run out, Paul. I'm gonna I'm gonna play us off. Thanks, buddy. Our next podcast will be in the actual better space. It'll be a little more fun. Today, today was rough. We rushed a little bit. It was good though. It wasn't Paul's fault. What do you think, Paul? You're not on air right now. It was good. It was it was good. Good the guy gives me a fi- fi- uh, thumbs up. But um, no, but seriously, Paul and Cody have been great. We've used them for a few weeks now. Um, check them out. Faith Services. They got a, they got a pretty uh, rainbow colored van that kind of drives around with some good Stand logos up, on buddy. it. You can't miss it. You can't miss it. Um, missing a QR code, but it's got everything on Facebook and Instagram. Check them out. Um, I think that's it. Episode two fourteen of the Gil and Trombley Show. Also, last podcast in my office, which this is totally makeshift and not the best. Um, there's not a lot of good things going on right now. We're holding mics. The acoustics aren't great. A lot of problems. Next podcast should be in the new studio. I will say it's coming along nicely. Not fully up and running. I'm hoping in the next two to three weeks have that a little bit more set. And I, 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 I feel rushed when I'm not in. I say rushed. I feel like I've done like the last three or four in my office and it's just not – it's not great. Like it's not a great setup. Most people I think uh, when I did uh, – let me see – CJ, when he was on a couple times ago, he made some comment about, uh, like, oh, this is actually pretty cool. And I was like, in my head, I'm like, oh, my God, this is terrible. Like, obviously, more context of how many podcasts versus, you know, it was first time at, in the office. But um, the next studio should be good. So I'll hopefully share some some cool photos of that when it's all done. Uh, but I'm excited. The acoustics will sound better. It'll be a little bit better setup. Uh, better guests, you know, Paul, we had Paul today. We, we love Paul, but you know, we'll try to get some better guests on the show. Uh, but we do have some cool guests coming up in the month of January. I think that's it. Paul left. He's rushing out. That is episode 214 of the Galen Trombley show. We're out. Thank you for listening to the Galen Trombley show. Be sure to subscribe, review, and share the episode. You can follow me on all social platforms at Galen Trombley. Thanks for listening.